We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 130 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Got a packed show for you guys as I break down the Gamecocks 47-23 loss to the Alabama Crimson Tide over the weekend. Also have some news and notes to go over, including your listener questions and voicemails to go over, as well as a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman Yurik Jones as we talk about his South Carolina career, the current state of Gamecock football, and much, much more. Before we get into all of that, this is a podcast brought to you by our friends over at Tanny Hills Group Therapy. Yes, Tanny Hills Group Therapy the oldest bar in five points owned by legendary USC quarterback Steve Tannehill. They've got great specials for you guys, including Taco Tuesday, Wing Wednesday. They're perfect if you're a local here in Columbia, if you want a night on the town or just go to dinner. If you do want to grab a bite to eat or if you're in town for game day on the weekend, if you want to, want to have a fun night out, Tanny Hills is the way to go. So again, that's Tanny Hills Group Therapy located down in five points. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. All right, I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show, as always. Got a packed show, obviously, breaking down any, everything that happened over the weekend with the Gamecocks. 47-23 loss to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Going to break that down, obviously, give my thoughts on the game. Before I get into all that, some housekeeping items like I normally do at the beginning of the show. The first thing I want to say is a huge thank you to all of the fans that I met uh, on Saturday at the tailgates. Uh, it, it's really, again, just awesome to run into you guys and kind of stop by the tailgates, talk some Gamecock football, meet you guys, uh, and have that personal connection. Uh, really, really awesome. So I appreciate everyone that was so hospitable. Obviously, Gamecock fans are known to be so, but you guys, the fans, the supporters, really do appreciate it. And again, love talking Gamecock football. Got to go to some awesome tailgates. I got to see my first tailgate with Chandeliers on Saturday afternoon. Shout out to you guys. Uh, you know who you are. So a lot of good stuff, a lot of fun. Obviously, there's nothing like tailgating in Columbia, but uh, – you know, you guys you guys definitely make what I do uh, really fun and obviously worth it, and it's, it's just really cool to meet the people that are sort of, uh, you know, the supporters that are behind it all. So I really just appreciate you guys for being so hospitable and obviously inviting me by and us having great conversation and obviously looking forward to more of it the rest of the season. But a huge shout-out to the fans for sure. Um, one other thing, if you haven't done so, stop the podcast right now. Do me a huge favor. Go to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening. Um, and be sure to leave a review. Leave a five-star review or leave your thoughts, your feedback on the show. What do you like? What do you don't like? I appreciate all the feedback and really the reviews. It just helps other people find the show. Maybe those who aren't familiar with the Spurs Up show, those reviews help boost up uh, this Gamecocks podcast or help, help boost up the Spurs Up show and 
just helps the business out. So if you don't mind, if you've already done so, I really appreciate it. If you haven't done so, would appreciate you taking the time. Take the two seconds to leave that five-star review. Or again, if you have any feedback, anything you want to see from me more of or something you like or something you don't like, just let me know. I uh, really do appreciate that. Uh, also, going to keep it hush for now, but should have some upcoming events coming up this week. Obviously, Gamecock's first road game of the 2019 season upcoming with South Carolina taking on Missouri. You guys should be hearing something this week in regards to some events coming up, uh, some different things that I'm going to be trying to do with the Spurs Up show and probably partnering, partnering up with some other people. So just be sure to be on the lookout for that. I already talked about on the Thursday show. I apologize for this past week. Um, Alabama week was very interesting. Uh, a lot of people in town, but a lot of people very busy. So as you guys obviously know, I, I was scheduled to have two live shows and Neither happened. So it's, uh, you know, that, that, that happens. Sometimes you strike out and it just kind of happened last week. But overall, very, very excited for what's to come. Obviously, the upcoming events and again, the first road game of South Carolina's 2019 football schedule um, should give us an opportunity to have, you know, a lot of fun. Obviously, again, games at Willie B are fun, but I think we can make the road games really cool as well. So uh, anyways, let's jump into the game. South Carolina loses 47-23 to Alabama. You know, obviously, you know, <clears throat> my score prediction was 41-17 to Alabama. So everyone pretty, pretty much was expecting um, what we saw on Saturday. I mean, Gamecocks were a 25-point underdog. Um, that line moved around from 25 to 25 and a half to 26. But South Carolina with a backdoor cover, it's funny. I, I told everybody to take South Carolina plus 25 and the backdoor cover, sure enough, hits. South Carolina scores, what was it, 11 seconds left, I think. But, uh, you know, the one thing I want to say, because, you know, I emotions run really high on game day. And it's just kind of funny the way that people interact on social media, Gamecock fans, because it's like, you know, emotions are running high. And you guys probably saw, like, you know, it's funny how on game day I'll normally lose 10 to 15 followers every game day specifically because people, like, people are already sensitive on the internet, as you guys probably know that. But on game day, I mean, it gets, like, hypersensitive. Like, I didn't even say anything outlandish yesterday on social media. Um, I, I mean, I critiqued J.C. Horn that I feel like he just has trouble catching the football because how else do you explain the fact he doesn't have an interception yet in his career? I talked about our defense. I mean, you guys see my game day tweets. I mean, it's, again, yesterday was very tame, very observational of the game, nothing crazy. And there are just people, for whatever reason, that if it's any slight bit of negativity, um, they just get offended. I don't really know what to say. They just it, it hurts their feelings. I don't know. And, I mean, obviously I'm not – into like I'm not saying things to appease to your feelings or how you it's just the truth and or just how I feel about the game and I mean you know the thing is is like you go into a game like Saturday against Alabama and you're a huge underdog and listen we all know the expectations of that game and I don't think anybody came to that game saying that we're South Carolina is 100 percent going to win I mean if you pick South Carolina to win you're probably either a homer or you're trying to be that guy that goes against the grain and has some crazy pick for a game but like it's still upsetting to lose a football game. Like, especially when you're there. And I was there yes, uh, Saturday, obviously. And, you know, just it, it just sucks to lose. Like, you just – you want to see your team win. Man, I remember thinking at the tailgate Saturday, I was like, you know, we're due for one of these games. Like, I know it's not going to happen today, but, like, man, aren't we just so due to break through and, you know, have this kind of game come down to the wire? And, like, I, I'm just – listen, guys, you guys know me. I'm never going to be one that's satisfied or happy with a 24-point loss. Are there positives to take away from yesterday? Or Saturday, yes. And I'm going to get to those in just a second. But, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm happy with a 24-point loss. It's the same feeling I had after the Clemson game last year. Like, after the game and the heat of the moment, I mean, I was pissed. I'm, I'm still not happy about the game. But 
there are certainly positives and things you can build off of, but I just don't understand the people on social media that just are just so hypersensitive that like you say one thing that's again, it's not even like crazy or outlandish, but people just, they take everything personally. I don't know why people take everything, but you know, I don't know. I think it's, if you are that type of person that take for one, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you're like that. But the people on social media that take everything personally, your, my account is just not for you because I'm going to speak the truth and be honest. And it's not always going to be what you want to hear. I mean, I've talked about, you know, I do the Periscope videos and I do the halftime updates and post game. And so, I mean, you're getting very raw reactions from me, very raw feelings about the game, what happened. I mean, this is just immediate emotion, reaction, whatever. And I said that our defense stunk. And I mean, I still there, listen, are there positives on defense? And I'm going to get into the positives because it's funny. I've actually got the Alabama recap. I've got my notes here broken down into positives and negatives because I wanted people to make sure that I, there were positive things that happened. I don't want to sound like I'm being hundred percent negative. There were positives that happened, but man, like the South Carolina defense, let's just go into the positives because it's going to explain itself. Obviously the first place you have to start in my opinion is the play of Ryan Holinsky. You know, the big question for everybody was how is, you know, he, he did what he did against Charleston Southern. whoop de doo You know, you played a high school team. All due respect to those guys. But how is Ryan Holinsky going to fare in the first SEC start of his career? You know, first start against this level of competition, if you will. And, I mean, I, listen, did Ryan make some mistakes? Sure. Of course he did. I mean, basically every quarterback makes mistakes. But I thought Ryan passed this test with flying colors. I mean, it's – I'm telling you, it's crazy. He threw the ball 57 times, which is just in, insane to think about. Um, but 36 for 57, 324 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Really, the interception came late when, you know, you're just trying to force the football down the field. And, hell, I was in that end zone that it happened in. I mean, you could just see – you know, you could see it coming. I mean, just trying to throw the ball up. And, again, did Ryan Linsky play a perfect game? No, but the things that I talk about that I was more so looking for, the intangibles, things that, you know, his composure, how did he handle the moment? Did he embrace the moment? His leadership. And, I mean, I think South Carolina fans are pretty confident in saying, and I'm pretty confident in saying after uh, Saturday's game, that the Gamecocks have got themselves a quarterback. There is no question the Gamecocks have got themselves a quarterback. Um, very, very pleased, again, with the way Helensky played. He can make all the throws. He stands in the pocket. He's not afraid of – I mean, he, 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 he stared Alabama, the number two team in the country – stared them down and went right after them. And that was that was a welcome sight to see. He didn't look timid. He didn't look flustered. He kept his team in it. He's a very – you can tell he's a very positive, upbeat guy. He's a guy that plays well beyond his years. Um, and, again, I mean, he's got all the talent. He can make all the throws. But I was very, very impressed with what Ryan Holinsky did. Um, you know, again, I think he passed with flying colors. Again, if you had told me before the game – that he was going to throw for three, what, what, 300 and I just had to pull up 324 yards. I mean, we all would have taken that. That's, that's a great stat line. Um, Rico Dowdle, another huge positive. I want to give a shout out. I mean, who is this guy? Is this the same Rico Dowdle that we've, <laughs> is this the same guy? No, I mean, I, I think we're finally seeing Rico Dowdle fully healthy. I mean, 12 carries for 102 yards and 8.5 yard per carry average. Crazy. I, I mean, it's another thing. If you'd have told me that the Gamecocks would have rushed for 135 yards and they would have held Bama to under 100, not – I mean, I would have said we probably won, or at least it was a down-to-the-wire game. Obviously, you have to factor in now that Tua threw for – I mean, Bama threw for 495 yards in our defense. But if you'd have just told me those rushing stats, I mean, I would have thought it was either down-to-the-wire or we won the football game. But 
either way, getting back to what I was saying, Rico Dowdle, man, I mean, he looks like the Gamecocks' best back, no question. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are asking, you know, why is Tavian Feaster not touching the ball more or this and that? Like, I think they're just kind of going with the hot hand because Feaster had 10 carries himself, but he only went for 33 yards. So, I mean, I like the rotation they have. Again, could they have gotten Kevin Harris in down the goal line? I agree. I thought they could have gotten him in there. I think there were – I thought there were maybe other opportunities they could have gotten him in. But, I mean, I like the one-two punch of Dowdle and Feaster a lot. I like it a lot. Because, listen, I think there are going to be games where the roles are reversed. I think Feaster will be the one with 100, 120 yards and Dowdle maybe not as good a day. But when you have two guys, I mean, the odds are in your favor, man, because one of those guys is bound to have a good day. And I just think they've got a really good one-two punch. I like Feaster out of catching the ball in the backfield. I think he's a really, really, really good pass-catching running back. Um, I mean, he only had two catches for 17 yards, but one of those came on a big fourth down play where Ryan Holinsky made a great throw to Feaster. So, but I've been really, really impressed with Rico Dowdle, man, this season. I, mean, I talked about him last week, just how good he looked against Charleston Southern. And again, I mean, doing it against Alabama, the way he, he's running, looks like he's running hard. He's running with a purpose. Um, he's running through guys. I mean, it's great to see. It's great to see Rico finally healthy. Obviously, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that it continues. Because South Carolina is going to need him. This, this, this running game is going to need to continue to progress and get even better and better. While, again, Ryan Holinsky's still a freshman. While he gets his feet under him, you know, having a running game there to support him is going to be big. And Rico Dowdle, extremely impressed with how Rico Dowdle ran the football yesterday, uh, Saturday. Um, another positive for me was the line of scrimmage. I mean, I, I, that was one of my keys to the game, obviously, coming in, that South Carolina – you know, needed to win at the point of attack, and if not win, at least hold their own. They had to at least hold their own at the point of attack. I, I'll start offensively. I mean, dude, I thought offensively they held their own fine. I mean, again, you rushed for 135 yards. You know, Ryan Holinsky, I thought, had time to throw. I mean, granted, it's Alabama, so, of course, they got to him a couple of times, but, you know, I, I thought the Gamecocks offensive line played very well, especially after the way we saw them that first week. I mean, this, this looks like a completely different offensive line, in my opinion. Um, I think the move to Donnell Stanley to center was absolutely what this unit needed. And I like right now, honestly, moving forward, how the Gamecocks offensive line is gelling and how it looked on Saturday. I thought they played really well, certainly held their own at the point of attack. I thought defensively, again, I think the Gamecocks could have been better on the defensive front, but Javon Kinlaw had a fantastic game. Um, You know, I, I thought... Again, the Gamecocks held their own on the defensive front. I mean, I think the biggest thing was pass rush. To it seemed like had all day to throw a lot of times. But, you know, you hold Alabama to 76 yards rushing. I mean, that, that's, that's a pretty solid day. I mean, it's, that's not bad. Again, I think that unit could get a lot better as far as rushing the quarterback. But they did get to Tua a couple times. They did get to Tua a couple times for sure. I mean, again, Javon Kinlaw played his absolute tail off. Um, and so I, I really thought the Gamecocks on the line of scrimmage did well. I'm mentioning playing their tail off. That, that's another thing. And I want to give a huge shout out to, you know, obviously I've been critical of Will Muschamp and I, you know, I'm not really changing my stance up, up on where I feel on it um, because these, these next two games coming up are really going to determine the Muschamp era, in my opinion. But getting back to my point, I want to give a huge shout out to everybody in that locker room, the players, coaches, everyone associated, because I thought this team really came out ready to play. I, I actually thought this team came out, ready to play their best football. And did they play their absolute best game? Probably not. I mean, I, they didn't play a perfect game by any means, but this looked like a team that was ready, that embraced the challenge, that, you know, came out, played hard, played their asses off, took chances. And, I, you know, as a fan, obviously, I, we can all appreciate that. You know what I mean? I, I, this wasn't a game where, 
this wasn't a game to me where South Carolina came out flat and looked unprepared and just got their tails kicked, their teeth kicked in. I mean, South Carolina played a decent game and they just played a better team. I mean, that's really what it came down to. But yeah, huge shout out to the players, the coaches, everybody. I mean, just South Carolina actually look looking ready to play, um, focused. I, again, I thought they really went a toe to toe with Alabama as much as they could. Um, you know, again, obviously Alabama is one of the best teams in the country, so we all knew the challenge it was going to be. But from nothing else, from an effort perspective, from, or from an yeah effort perspective, from a preparation aspect, I, I thought this team, you know, from embracing the moment again, that was one of the keys. To the game I talked about. Um, I thought the Gamecocks honestly really did that. And, again, I, I think you can argue that it starts at the quarterback position with number three and, you know, for him to have uh, – for him to – I think you can see that how Ryan Alinsky's really rubbed off on this team, his leadership. Um, but this team came out ready to play. And that's something I think we all as fans can really, really appreciate. Um, another positive, in the wide receivers, guys making plays. That was one thing Muschamp talked about after the first week. We got to have guys – We've got guys who can make plays. i got to go do it. Brian Edwards, I think, made himself a lot of money on Saturday. He looked really, really good, really physical. Obviously, the play that Shai Smith had in the end zone where he was double covered, went up and made a play. I mean, just went up and flat out made a play. Um, I thought Josh Van had some nice plays as well. Nick Muse, I know he's a tight end, but Nick Muse had some nice plays. But overall, I mean, I thought the wide receivers – Played pretty well. I mean, guys, again, making plays, and that's the name of the game, and that's they're going to need to continue to do that. Again, help out your freshman quarterback. I mean, you look at – it's crazy, man. You look at different teams across the country, some of the best teams. Let's just take Alabama and Clemson, for example. I mean, taking nothing away because Tua and Trevor Lawrence are phenomenal talents. But, dude, their wide receivers make so many plays, especially Trevor Lawrence, man. Trevor Lawrence has got guys he can just throw it up to. their 6'5", that are going to just make a catch over somebody. And Tua's got guys that – I mean, I'm just going to tell you guys, I've never seen athletes like that. I mean, I've never seen athletes, the, the type of athletes that Alabama had on the outside, on the perimeter. I've just – I mean, those, those guys were freaks. One through five, I think Alabama's got by far the best wide receiver corpse in the entire country. I mean, there are some others that are close. Obviously, I just mentioned Clemson, but, man, Bama's athletes on the outside are crazy. But I, the Gamecocks, again, you need your wide receivers to make plays. I really thought they did that on Saturday. Um, aggressive play calling. That was another thing to me that was a positive. Again, and that's what I'm talking about. This team looked ready to play. And I thought there was a pretty decent game plan in place. You know, I thought Brian McClendon did a good job with play calling. Um, I, I thought, the game, again, the fake field goal. I liked kind of the – you know, going forward on fourth down before halftime, like, I liked the mindset. You have nothing to lose. You're a 25-point underdog. Why not? You know, why not take some shots, take some chances? And I thought the Gamecocks did that. I thought the play calling was good. I thought Bama's play – honestly, I thought Bama's play calling was more suspect than ours. I, I Some of their play calls I was very, very confused by because I'm like, you know, you're Alabama. You, you have better – you know, in a lot of instances, you have better athletes than us. Why not just – do this or do that. I mean, I thought they almost got kind of conservative or whatever, but either way, it worked out for them. But I, I liked our play calling. I thought it was aggressive. Again, I, th I thought we did a good job of kind of, you know, putting the pressure on Alabama, putting the pressure on their defense. Again, the fake field goal, which, you know, just complete bullshit on the holding call. I mean, they, you know, complete bullshit on the holding call. Such a Bama call. But either way, I mean, whatever. Refs didn't lose the game, but just a terrible call. But I liked the call. You know, I, I liked a lot of the play calls, and I thought McClendon and Muschamp, honestly, they had a good plan coming into that one. Um, I already talked about a team that embraced the moment. Obviously, that was a huge thing, and tip of the cap to all the guys for, 
really just playing their asses off. I mean, you, you cannot ask for much more than what they gave you yesterday in regards to just pure effort and preparation and being in the moment and, you know, being excited and, you know, being ready to take on the number two team in the country. I thought you saw a team that did that. Um, going into the negatives, because like I said, there's positives and negatives, obviously. We lost by 24. Not everything's positive. But I wanted to make sure you guys knew that I had a bunch of positives. And, you know, there were I found even more positives the day after the game on Sunday. You know, I watched some of the highlights, obviously, and watched some plays back. And you're like, man, like, you know, there were some things we can definitely take away moving forward that, you know, if we can continue to build on them, um, could be really good for us down the road. And obviously, you've got to continue to build on them. You've got to continue to show up and do it week after week. But there were certainly some things, like I just mentioned, that we saw that are extremely positive. I mean, the negatives, though, where, where else can you start with the defense? Um, the linebackers in secondary were just were trash. I mean, they were bad. They were bad. Let's, and like I said, I know that Alabama has got insane athletes on the outside. But the thing that's most concerning to me, and I said this after UNC, the thing that's most concerning to me is we're not even doing the little things right defensively. I mean, this is a Will Muschamp coach team. You're supposed to be a defensive guru, and we cannot even tackle. We cannot even make tackles. We're missing tackles. Like, a lot of the things that I'm seeing from this defense were things that were problems in year one. And the whole excuse of, you know, I saw somebody on social media saying, well, we just got to recruit and get our guys in there at safety. You know, we're not good on the back end. We need to go recruit. Say, that was a really good excuse in year one and year two. Dude, it's year four. You've had time to get your guys in there. You've had time. And, again, maybe – I mean, let's just call it a spade a spade. The secondary was overhyped. The secondary has been overhyped. I, I overhyped him. Maybe I should have taken a step back and think, you know what, there's a lot of youth there. There's a lot of inexperience. As good as J.C. Horn and Israel McQuamu are, they haven't really grown into their own. I mean, listen, those two guys. And, again, people got so upset when I said that I feel like J.C. Horn can't catch the football because it's, it's just me venting out the frustrations. Like, how does this dude not have a pick yet? Like, what is going on? You know, he had one on Saturday that looked like it went right through his hands. And you're like, I mean, just how is this happening? But those two guys. J.C. and Izzy, these are the facts. Those two guys combined have two career interceptions against Chattanooga and Charleston Southern, and they're both from Israel Mokwamu. Those are facts. That's not me talking any BS or saying it. that. That's not an opinion. That is fact. So those two guys, they need to step up. I mean, that secondary, again, got roasted. And, again, I know the competition. I, and, you know, hopefully this secondary – proves us all wrong and as the season continues and it just shows that Alabama's guys were really that good but linebacker play is still an issue all the swing passes to the running backs again just not doing the little things right defensively this South Carolina program will not get back to being a nine or ten win program until it has a dominant defense and again it's just so scary because like, that's – like, when Will Muschamp was hired, not everybody was thrilled about the hire. I was just kind of 50-50 in the middle. I just wanted the program to get back to, you know, get out of the cellar from three and nine, you know what I mean, from coming off 15. So, you know, I, but I at least my thought was, you know what, we might struggle offensively, but Will Muschamp, he's going to have our defense right. Like, our defense is going to be one of the best in the country. That's really what we all thought. I think we all thought that. I know I thought that. And it's like, how in the hell are we in year four – and we still can't stop anybody. Like, 
you know, talk, say what you want, like, about Steve Spurrier. Those best teams in the country are the best teams that he ever had at USC, the best teams South Carolina's ever fielded. Like, you know, we all think Connor Shaw and Marcus Lattimore and Alshon Jeffrey and, you know, all these other guys that made these huge plays. But, like, those teams – those teams won because they were dominant on the defensive side of the ball. That's why those teams won. You know, you can have – I mean, I still believe in the motto of offense wins games, defense wins championships. And I know it's 2019 football where, like, you're having – you know, teams don't – you feel like really don't play defense quite as much anymore. But the best teams in the country have dominant defenses. And the Gamecocks right now aren't even near dominant. I mean, they are floating around average at best. And, again, it's just shocking to me how bad the secondary looked. I mean, again, we – you know, felt like we played soft at times. You know, I know we played soft in coverage, but we just looked soft, not wrapping up, not making tackles. I mean, I know the dude's a freak athlete, man, but the – and I think it was Najee Harris. I'm pretty sure that it was Najee Harris. The – yeah, the the swing pass that he had where he hurdled one of our guys and then Ernest Jones trying to, tries to come up behind him and pop the ball, and it looks like he's hugging him and throwing him forward to the, to, the, <laughs> to the end zone. I mean, listen, and I heard what Ernest Jones said after the game, you know, he's trying to punch the ball out, and I guess he's taught that. But that play was embarrassing. I mean, that's embarrassing, man. That, our, our defense right now is dis, disgusting. That was disgusting to watch on Saturday. And, again, we're only through three games. I get it. Like, there's still a lot of time for this defense to turn this thing around. You know, you looked awful against UNC, and you looked bad against Alabama. I mean, these next couple games are really going to tell a story, I think, of where this team re – we're really going to get a true gauge of where this team is. And, I mean, just right now, I mean, how can this defense give you any confidence whatsoever? I mean, I'm just – again, I'm shocked at how bad we are on the back end. I mean, I'm shocked. I can't believe it. I mean, again, J.C. Horn has played good football, no question. He's our best defensive back. Guy has played good football. You know, he, he's a top-of-the-line talent, in my opinion. He's going to be a guy that's going to be three years and out of South Carolina because he's so good. But outside – I mean, one guy that you, I know everyone wants to talk about, Jamias Williams. What – who is this dude? Who is this imposter wearing the number 21 jersey? I mean, I hate to pile on the kid because people on social media have been doing it for me. But, man, I mean, he – and, again, that's another thing that really scares me about, like, the whole Will, Will Muschamp thing is, like, dude, you're supposed to be a defensive guru. How – and you played the safety position. So, after – I mean, this is not a guy that has no talent. This Jam Williams, a highly coveted recruit out of the state of Georgia. We beat out Georgia to get him. Comes in. Freshman All-SEC. Like, dude has talent. Gets moved from corner to safety. And, you know, he – Got hurt last year. So, if you want to call last year unfair to judge, I mean, he was not good in the time leading up to that, that injury. But, I mean, he's just been a complete – who is this imposter? He's been a completely different dude since that position switch. And it looks like to me he's regressed as a player. I mean, how can we be so bad on the back end, especially at the safety position, when it's like, Coach, that's the position that you played. That's the position you coach. How can we be that bad at that position? And, again, the excuse of – well, we just need to get our guys in there. We need to recruit and this like, dude, that excuse was that excuse flew in 16 and 17. But bro, like we are in 2019. Like, if you don't have your guys now, I don't feel like he's ever going to get them. Like, 
if this defense isn't starting to click now, and again, there's a lot of time to turn this thing around and, you know, for this defense to sort of grow up and guys to play better and step up. But, I mean, it's starting to feel like to me, like, I don't know if we'll ever have a good defense under Will Muschamp. Like, maybe he's not a quite as good of a defensive coach as we thought. Because it's like, dude, it's year four. I mean, it's, year, it's enough with the excuses. It's year four. So, I mean, really, that was the big negative for me. I mean, because I, 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 I think you can pull positives from everywhere else on the field. Line of scrimmage, quarterback, running backs, wide receivers, even tight ends. You know, Kyle Markway with a great game at tight end, I wanted to mention as well. You know, the front uh, – really the defensive line in regards to Javon Kinlaw, I mean, he's the big one that stood out. But the back end of the defense was just terrible. I mean, it was terrible. The linebackers are still terrible. And our guys in the secondary, again, I, they feel a little overhyped. And, again, I, I know the competition you're facing. But you can't – if you're going to talk that talk, you need to walk that walk. You know, talking about in the offseason, you know, we're 24-7. We can be the best the best one-two DB combo in the SEC or even the country. And it's like, you got to go do it. Go do it. Be those guys. Because you got put on an island against some of the best in the country on Saturday, you got exposed. And again, South Carolina probably won't see receivers like that again until the Clemson game. But you got exposed, man. I mean, it's just South Carolina's got to figure it out defensively. They've they've got to shore this thing up defensively, man. I mean, because the, I, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine about this. L- listen, there's going to be a game. Ryan Holinsky's a true freshman. Great talent. Love the kid. Glad he's our quarterback. I, bright future, extremely bright. But you're naive if you don't think there's going to be a game this season where Ryan Linsky just does not play well for whatever reason. He has a freshman type of game. He makes some mistakes, maybe throws some picks. I don't know. But just doesn't have – like there's going to be a game this season where the offense doesn't play well. Our defense is going to have to step up. We're going to have to win a game 17-14. to 14. 20 to 17. Hell, I don't know. 14 to 10, maybe. I don't know. But, like, that, that's – football is the type of game where, like, if one side's not doing it, the other side's got to pick you up. And I don't know that South Carolina's got the team – like, the defense right now for them to pick them up. I, I just don't know. So, I mean, again, just going off what we saw yesterday, it's tough, it's tough to judge. I mean, if they're one positive on defense, again, the defensive front stopping the run game – but, I mean, it's hard to be happy about what you saw defensively when you're giving up almost 500 yards passing. I mean, it's just, you know, again, against a secondary that really was super hyped up all offseason. You know, these young guys and J.C. and Izzy leading the way, and you, you had J.T. Ebay coming back from injury, and Jam Williams is a junior. You thought maybe he could have progressed and taken the next step. And, you know, the linebackers with Brunson back as a senior, and we heard Sherrod Green improve, and we heard how good Ernest Jones was and, you know, and is – Still, but that, that was that was I don't know, that was a sickening performance defensively, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, it was sickening. I mean, it just was. So, you know, Must Champ, Gamecocks have got to get it short up defensively. Because again, for me, the two things that Must Champ has to if if Will Must Champ can't recruit at a high level, and if he can't field a defense that's worth a damn, then why is he even the head coach? And that's where my biggest still my biggest concerns come from this staff and from him specifically is like, if you can't do those two things, why are you even the head coach? Because we can go hire a guy that's an offensive genius. Or if we want to score points, we can go get somebody else. 
But you're supposed to be this defensive guy. And this defense has just got to turn it around, man. They've got to watch film, look themselves in the mirror, and say, like, who are we as a defense? You know, get back to the drawing board, man. Will Muschamp, get back to the drawing board with your safeties, your defensive backs. Like, I mean, it just – because we're just not going to win many games doing that, playing that way, playing soft, missing tackles. I mean, tackling is one of the core aspects of this game. This is not reinventing the wheel. It's not, not rocket science. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't something crazy. It's tackling. So, anyways, though, a lot of positives. Obviously, some negatives. I mean, Gamecocks, 47-23 losers to Bama. But, again, a lot of standouts, a lot of individual guys that I thought had really, really good games. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, it's not enough. And, again, you, you're, you're facing a team like Alabama. I mean, South Carolina had to play a perfect game and hope Alabama played their C-minus game to win this one. So, you just can't make – you cannot make the type of mistakes uh, against Alabama the way that South Carolina didn't expect for it to even be a close game. So, Vegas knows. I mean, right on the – you know, right on the number. Vegas knows. So, uh, news and notes really quickly before I get into your listener questions and voicemails. And just one thing I wanted to touch on, because this actually just came out about a, a couple minutes before I started recording. The opening line has come out. The spread has come out for South Carolina, Missouri. Obviously, Gamecocks again traveling to Missouri – uh, following up this Bama game, Gamecocks are a 10-point underdog, which, you know, again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that I've sat down and watched a bunch of Missouri football this year. But Mizzou this year lost to Wyoming week one, has bounced back and beaten West Virginia and Southeast Missouri pretty handily. And, you know, I, from what I understand, West Virginia is not that great this year. And obviously Southeast Missouri, Southeast Missouri – so, I was – honestly, I was very, very surprised. Ten feels like a huge number. And I know, you know, South Carolina's got a true freshman quarterback. It's taking on the road for the first time. You know, Gamecocks' first road game of the season, period, unless you want to count the first game in Charlotte. But true road game, first true road game, I mean, you know, ten feels like a pretty damn big number. Not going to lie to you. So, we'll see if that number moves. Obviously, I'll have my best bet later this week and we'll kind of, you know – give my thoughts on that, but, you know, I mean, even if South Carolina loses, I fully expect it to be a very much a back-and-forth game. I, I really do. So, be interesting to see if that spread moves. But let's get into uh, some questions here. As always, appreciate you guys leaving the voicemails. You guys left a ton of voicemails. So, let's see, get into these. All right, going to go ahead and jump into these. What's going on, man? This is just John from Instagram. Um, I just wanted to give you a call, you know, directly after the game. Uh, still at my tailgate at the time, at the time. But, um, man, uh, to be completely honest, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way we performed, you know, uh, in my opinion. Um, I'd much rather, you know, lose the way we did than lose a nail-biter by two or three because then, you know, that, that's just harder to swallow. But um, I think, you know, the, the game was a lot closer than the score showed. Um, it really came down to a couple key plays where we had some penalties that cost us big. And, uh, uh, I mean, overall, overall, man, I, I think we played really well. I mean, I'm happy. I'm, uh, not just, I mean, always disappointed with a loss, but I mean, it, it, um, I'm not unhappy. Um, still gonna have a good night tonight, but, uh, yeah, man, just, uh, wanted to get your thoughts and, uh, Joe Cox as always. Where's that, man? 
All right, appreciate the voicemail, my man. Um, hope you had a good time at the game, obviously. It was a good atmosphere. Fans were awesome, by the way. That's one thing I forgot to mention. Like, fans in the stadium, that atmosphere was as good as you're going to see in college football, in my opinion. That was a fantastic atmosphere. Gamecock fans were loud all game. So, uh, really, really good atmosphere, obviously. But, yes, I mean, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a little different. I would rather lose by a field goal just because I'd like to see our team get in that position. Like, you always want to have a chance to win. But I get where you're coming from. I do. I get it's a lot harder to swallow when you lose by a last second field goal or whatever. But I mean, um, you know, football coaches say that games come down to five or six key plays. The games are decided in five or six plays. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and it's funny. I didn't mention this is one of the negatives, but the, the refs were bad. I mean, the refs were just flat out bad. We got Alabama. That's what it felt like. Now, <clears throat> what I'm not going to do is sit here and tell you that we lost because of the refs. I'm not going to do that. But, oh, certainly. I mean, those calls certainly changed the momentum of the game. I mean, you think about if that, that Parker White touchdown is not flagged. You think if that – which I still don't really understand how the Rico Dowdle play was not reviewable. I mean, it may, if it's not reviewable, then why do we have review? I, I just – I don't understand that because his knee was not down. That was a touchdown. And so, I mean, you come away with no points there and – no points. I mean, that's a huge swing. I mean, you're talking about a completely different game at that point. So, you know, I – the refs were bad. Again, I completely agree with you. I think, again, I like your optimism. I think, again, there are a lot of positives to take away. Obviously, you heard the negatives, what I think needs to be shored up and fixed. But there are certainly positives to take away. You know what I mean? And, and we're going to have to see it. I mean, again, this next two-game stretch, in my opinion, is huge – for the direction of this program, for this coaching staff, for this season, obviously. But, I mean, these next two games are massive. But, uh, no, I mean, a lot of positive takeaway. So, appreciate the voice of you, my man. Hey, this is uh, Gamecock fans and Johnsons from Lama, South Carolina. And the game today, what you got to say about this? The game today if Linsky played a great game, we just going to have better tackling. And I'm going to have to be – I didn't think Linsky needed to be in the game late in the game. But by him being our number one quarterback, he didn't need to be in the game late. So, our defense needs to pick up, better tackling, and go Gamecocks. All right. Appreciate the voicemail, man. Um, so, you know, I agree with you 100%. The tackling was abysmal. Uh, <laughs> I mean – Again, it's extremely concerning when you're when your head coach is a defensive guru per se, and you can't tackle. I mean, that's a huge thing we need to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I saw this actually a couple of times on social media, and I'm glad you brought it up regarding Ryan Holinsky and being in the game late and that late touch. I mean, I see both sides of it because here's the thing: if he gets hurt, you're an idiot, right? You're just an idiot. This game's out of hand. What does it matter? If he gets hurt, you're an idiot. But I also see the side of it where he is a true freshman. I know he's your starter, but you cannot simulate game reps in practice. You, you probably heard Andy Boyd on the show talk about a couple weeks ago. You, there's nothing that's going to prepare you for game reps like being in the game, the actual game. So they want to get him as many reps as possible, get him comfortable. I mean, he can get better and better and better and continue to get reps, get that experience. So I see that side of it, but I certainly hear where you're coming from as well because if he gets hurt, obviously you look like a complete idiot. Um, but, yeah, so I guess there's both sides to it, but I appreciate the voicemail. Hey, Chris, it's Anthony from North Augusta. 
man, comments on the game. Ryan Halinski is the real deal. I firmly believe that. Knew it beforehand. Definitely know it now. Uh, Gamecock showed a lot of heart today in the game. Uh, some really questionable coaching decisions, but that seems par for the course these days. Uh, defense has to do something. Terrible angles, terrible tackling. Some defenders looking like they didn't even try on some plays. But overall, really happy with how the offense played, even though the red zone offense was not so great. Um, a lot of good to take away from the game, even though Bama did roll. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think a lot of people really thought the Gamecocks were going to be in this game to begin with. Uh, a good first half of football, but just couldn't put it together. Not enough talent. Uh, but they're getting in the right direction. And uh, I can't wait to see where Helensky takes the team for the rest of the season. Go Cox. All right, Plums, appreciate the voicemail, my guy. Um, yeah, so, I mean, again, just preaching on the defense. I mean, it's just – it was sickening to watch. I mean, again, it's just so – it's so frustrating because, you know, it's funny. I just remember one of my keys to the game this past uh, – last week was avoid the big play. I mean, you just <clears> – we <throat> knew Bama had guys who could make big plays, and in a game like that, if you're going to try to pull the upset, you can't get beat on that big play because it just flips the entire momentum of the game, and it puts you in a bad position. And – I mean, Bama certainly hit a couple of them big plays. I mean, that play that Ruggs had where he took the slant and took it to the house was just – again, I I have not seen athletes like that. I mean, Bama's got crazy good athletes, no questions asked. But still, I mean, South Carolina, when you're not able to tackle and you're going against athletes like that, it's just going to be a long day for you defensively, man. And the Gamecocks have got to make strides um, defensively. But I agree with you. I'm excited as well to see where Helensky takes this team. You know, the only thing that I'll say that – you know, the only thing I'll say that concerns me just a little bit, and I don't want to be negative about it necessarily, but just to be honest, is that I feel like we felt this way about Jake Bentley his freshman year. I could be wrong, and I get, again, I know they're com- this is, it's a completely different situation, but I just want to continue to see the progression. That's all I'm going to say. I want to continue to see progression from Ryan. I'm, again, I'm excited and happy that he's our quarterback. What's going on, Spurs Up Show? It's William here. Uh, just calling, big fan of the show. Just want to go ahead and tell you, Chris, uh, definitely, definitely back you on, uh, you know, the, the critiques of the team. You know, we're not out here to, you know, lose by 20, 20 plus points and be happy about it when our DBs are talking so much smack. We got to honestly reevaluate how. I mean, what is going on with Jemias Williams? I mean, holy hell. I mean, he is – he was once our most coveted recruit, and he, he blew at least two touchdowns in the, in the first half. And, my God, our, our DB, Muck, is just – you know, he's a bunch of talk getting beat over top, and he's 6'4". God only knows he can't, he can't find the ball in the air. But, uh, you know, Javon had a good game. You know, speaking positively, Kalinske, good good game as well. Ref. Absolutely god-awful. Absolutely god-awful. But, you know, some, some takeaways are, are good from this game. But once again, I support, you know, those people can just go ahead and hit that unfollow button or whatever, not listen, because, you know, that's just soft. You know, we're not out here to be happy about losing my 20 and we're talking so much shit. But, uh, 
Love the show. Keep it up, man. All right, William, I appreciate the voicemail, man. Obviously, yeah, I agree with you on a lot of different points. Uh, one thing definitely want to say is appreciate the support. I mean, yeah, it's just – listen, and again, I know people get really, really emotional after – hell, hell, I get emotional. You know what I mean? I, you, guys, <laughs> you guys have seen me – I told somebody this after the UNC game. I mean, that was the most raw emotionally you're ever going to see me. I mean, you know, it's we're all in the heat of the moment, heat of the battle. We all want to win so bad, and people's emotions run high, and – you know, but I'm just going to speak the truth. I mean, I'm going to speak on what I see. It's it, Listen, here's the thing, man. A take is a take. It's not negative or positive. So, me saying, you know, JC can't catch the football, that's not me being negative. It's just an observation. It's a take. It's not – it has no reflection of how I feel about JC Horn as a person. Hell, he's even an athlete. But I don't know, for whatever reason, like you said, soft. I mean, I don't – you know, it's – there are people that are just soft, that take it personal. Like, and that's the thing. And, you know, I, I just don't want – that's one of the things I think that confuses me about social media, especially with sports, where it's like, I don't know why a person's takes and a person's character have to go hand in hand. Because that's one of the things that kind of annoys me. And I'm not going to mention any specific names of guys that are out there, like as far as personalities or whatever, that these people that – they give strong takes. And whether you agree or disagree or indifferent, but, like, if I disagree with your sports take, I'm disagreeing with your sports take. But it's not it – doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're a terrible human being or that your character's flawed. You just have a take. It's not negative or positive. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, I, I don't know, man. It confuses me, too. I mean, again, and that's what I told people. is like, dude, if you want to hit the unfollow button, that's, that's completely fine. I mean – I'd rather have a hundred people that follow me that really like my content and can deal with the, the, the truth versus have a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand people that follow me that I'm tweeting fluff or I'm tweeting things that only they want to hear. I'm sunshine pumping. Like that's just not me. Like, dude, I'm as optimistic and as positive as anybody you'll ever meet. I'm as optimistic a Gamecock fan as anybody will ever meet, you know, but I mean, listen, and that's why I'm so I get so disappointed and upset because here's the thing. I know, I, I know what I picked as my final score. I know what the spread is. I know what the likelihood of his winning is. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. I wouldn't go to the game if I thought we had a 0% chance to win. I just – I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste the money. I just wouldn't go. It's like you always want to see your team win. I, and I, I was joking with my buddy. I was like, you know, what happened to the good old days where we could just be upset after a loss? Like, I don't have to justify why I'm upset. I'm upset after a loss. If you're a competitor, if you have any competitive bone in your body, you're going to be upset after you lose by 24 points at home. Again, it doesn't mean that there's no positives to take away. But it just means you're just upset about losing. You want to see your team win. I mean, that's completely – I think that's a pretty actually normal and rational response. So, either way, again, I, and there was nothing really – <clears throat> there was really nothing crazy or outlandish on social media that really bothered me of people coming at. I, I didn't see a ton of it, to be honest. Um, you know, I just attribute it, you know, it's just people upset post-game, which we all are. I mean, we're just – Gamecock fans are the pa most passionate and best fans in the country. They want to see a winner. They want to see their team win. And even – it doesn't matter who you're playing, whether you're a 25-point underdog or you're a 25-point favorite. But we all want to see our team win. So, yeah, appreciate the voicemail, William. Hey, Spurs up show. This is Dale from Edfield. This is my instant reaction walking out of the game. Uh, it was hot. 
tied to Columbia today. I really, uh, you know, the way the game started, tied, drive down the field and score in a minute, 39 seconds. That, that hurt for sure. But then Helensky and the boys drove back down the field. It looked great. It's kind of like I said last week. I said, we, we got to establish a run. And for whatever reason, we did that to start with. And we did it throughout the game. But the defense, defensive backs, boy, they struggled. And I don't really believe that they struggled covering because Alabama does have elite wide receivers. They do. Derrick Duty and uh, whoever that number 11 guy was, he was great. But um, they just couldn't tackle anybody. I don't know what, you know, we, we've talked about it before, that how, how many times do we have to go back to the basics for winning football games before something changes. But, but they couldn't tackle me if I was running around out there today. And um, other than that, everything looked good. The play calling, play calling is still just I, – I tell you, Muschamp might be bad at math because, you know, we, we kicked the field goal and then kicked the onside kick. It was like, well, we're we going to give up on the game, but then we're going to try and win again. That, uh, that hurt my feelings, you know, because it just – it made me feel like we had given up. But uh, I'm going to take it off the air, Chris, and we're on the next week. And first uh, up, go Cox. All right, Gail, appreciate the voicemail, man. Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of the same things, a lot of other people have been saying, stuff that I've been saying defensively. I mean, again, I, one of my biggest keys to the game was avoid the big play. And when you miss tackles in the second level, you are going to give up that big play. And I, the angles were bad. The tackles were bad. It just, you know, fundamentally it looked bad. Um, again, like I said, I actually thought the play calling was decent. I can certainly see and understand where you're coming from as far as some of the in-game decisions that were made. Um, it didn't feel as consistent as maybe it should have been. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, this defense in 11 was Henry Ruggs, by the way, who's just a freak for Alabama. But, uh, nah, man, defensively, this team's really got to look themselves in the mirror, man, and kind of figure out what they're all about. You know what I mean? It's just, you know. If I mean, if, if we continue to play that way in the secondary, it's just it's going to be a really, really long season. Hey, Chris, it's me, Andrew Quick, uh, just calling to say uh, I was overall happy with the, the showing. Not not ecstatic or anything. Not super disappointed, but relatively pleased. Um, Holinsky looks good, made some fresh mistakes, made some, some errors here and there, um, but overall looked decent for playing Bama. Uh, Edwards looked like a freaking man, dude. He running over people. And Rico looked smooth, man. He looked real good. He, he ran really hard. Probably the best game I've ever seen from him. Impressed with those two. Um, excited for, for Holinsky and seeing how he grows and really uh, how he demonstrates his potential. For the rest of the season, really excited to watch that. What I'm worried about um, tackling. Tackling in year four is still an issue with Muschamp, and, and these are all his players. And I think we had some really good moments on defense, but but we got to get better at tackling. And I'm really I'm really hoping to see us grow and meld as a as a, as a team on that side of the ball. Um, but yeah, just wondering what your thoughts are and how you think your breath, obviously, well, you'll get our thoughts of the, in the podcast itself, but, um, specifically in those two areas, um, tackling and I guess, uh, yeah, Linsky's pr- progress. How far do you think he goes? Um, thanks for everything you do, Chris and Spurs up. 
All right, Andrew, appreciate the voicemail, man. So, yeah, just speaking of tackling first, I mean, obviously it's bad. I mean, just fundamentally bad. I don't know what they <clears> – <throat> I don't know what they've got to do if they've got to get back to the basics as far as just tackling drills or, I mean, the way they approach it. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know that answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know that answer. They've got to get back to just fundamentally, though, securing a tackle, like how to do that. Um, I mean, I think with Holinsky, the sky's the limit. I mean, I think that, you know, he can be as the, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I mean, I really do. Um, one thing that you said that I want to echo too, man, that, that might – you're right. That probably was the best game I've ever seen Rico Dowdle play. I mean, he just looks like a different guy. I mean, again, he's finally he, – he looks like the guy we saw as a true freshman. He's finally kind of back to that form. You know, he's fully healthy. He is running hard. He's running through arm tackles. He's making guys miss. The offensive line, give them credit, too. They're doing a great job. But Rico look, just looks like a different guy. So, it's a welcome sight to see. Um, you know, and again, just again, you've saying a lot of the same things everybody else is saying. And again, I think it's pretty, you know, self-explanatory, kind of what we saw and kind of where the issues were and everything. But yet, certainly, you know, you were very positive and a lot of positives to take from the offensive side. And Again, I think rightfully so, because a lot of individual guys yesterday on offense had really, really good games. So, hopefully they can keep that up, because we're going to need – especially with the defensive struggles right now, we're going to need as much offense as we can get going through this season. Yeah, a couple comments from the game here. Um, watch it from Dallas, Texas. Uh, Jim Williams needs to sit down. He's uh, – gave up the first two touchdowns of the game. And Luke Lomu and Jason Horn uh, needed back up with their fan in the offseason. That was pretty tough to watch. They couldn't cover a simple slant. Granted, Alabama's got some athletes. Um, but that was – that entire game was on the secondary. Run defense obviously played well. Ryan Lenski played well. Rico, Tavian played great. Um, would have liked to see Kevin Harris in the red zone. I think he's a different type of guy down there. Nobody wants to tackle that. It's on the gun, so. But two cents. And uh, go Gamecocks. Hashtag beat Mizzou. Let's go. Beat Mizzou. And, hey, Jim, appreciate it, man. Dallas, Texas. Shout out to Dallas, Texas, man. Appreciate you tuning in from there. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I, that's exactly what I was – I mean, Mook and uh, JC, I mean, it's just – there was so much smack talk in the offseason, and even even from Travaris Robinson talking about how, you know, we can play man coverage now. And, <clears throat> I mean, you just – you can't have a showing like that, man, and be these dudes. I mean, I think – I agree with you on Jam Williams. I, I think he needs to be benched. I don't know what else you can do. I At this point, it just kind of feels like, like, this is who he is. He is who he is at this point. You know what I mean? Like, what can you really do with him? I mean, he can't cover anybody. <laughs> Like, I don't know what's happened. Again, I don't know if one of the Monstars came and took his talent away, but I don't know what's happened to him. Um, but, yeah, no, agree with your thoughts on the game. Again, I mean, it's, it's just a lot of, you know, I would have liked to have seen Kevin Harris too. I mean, he, he, you have him, you feel like, for that specific reason, to be that, that bruiser down there in the red zone. But, again, overall, you know, some bright spots, but certainly what you mentioned about the secondary. I mean, just a huge, huge issue that's got to be fixed immediately. Hey, Chris, what's up, brother? It's Adam Purser. Yeah, man. I uh, had a little delay, so I landed the aircraft right outside of LaGuardia, North New York, and watched the game. It's a positive takeaway. So, Lindsay's a real deal. 
uh, his, his release is so fast, he's catching the backers in the secondary off guard, and it's going to create havoc. Two, Rico's playing out of this world right now. Uh, three, uh, when we play with reckless abandonment, uh, with regarding the play calling, the players step up. They're ready to play. And, and four, McClendon actually called a really good complete game uh, today for the most part. Some negative takeaways, of course, officiating. When you take two scores off the board like, like the, um, the refs did, uh, that affects the play calling. But it also didn't allow our coaching staff to, to take the foot off the pedal and slow down. So there was some give and take there, but it did affect the play calling. Uh, two, for the negative takeaways, secondary is playing soft. Plain and simple, there's no other way to put it. Uh, three, the linebackers need to get better in coverage. They need to they need to cover that middle, um, and they need to be able to cover in space, and they're just not doing it. The tackling's not good either. Uh, and four, I'd like to see some more of the maybe Dak to Ryan throwback set up off that jet sweep that we're running a lot with uh, with Brian Edwards uh, or some type of play action. Uh, it just it was set up. It just didn't happen. Uh, other than that, uh, I'm still not impressed with the defense, um, and that's what Coach Muschamp is. So I'm not back on board of, of putting my confidence in Muschamp to get us to the next level. Uh, however, this was a better complete game. If they keep building off this, I, I, I think we can uh, make some headroom. Hopefully next week we'll get a W over Missouri, and I'll see you at Kentucky. Have a good one, man. Bye. All right, Adam, appreciate the voicemail, man. Uh, you make a lot of great points. Um <clears throat> One thing that you mentioned I do want to speak on is the the aggressive play calling. I, you know, I agree, again, and there it'll never be a perfect, you know, called game. I mean, there's always area of improvement. But, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved that they were, they were actually aggressive. And I, I agree with you. I think that when you call the game aggressively, I don't know. I mean, you play more aggressively. You play freely. Like, you play to make plays instead of, like, you play to win, not to not lose, right? Like, we saw week one against UNC. So, I love the aggressive play calling. Again, I agree that the refs were just terrible. I mean, like you said, when you're trying to pull a massive upset, the way the ball bounced in regards to that, you know, that holding call and the no, you know, the no score on the Rico Dowdle thing. I mean, those type of things just can't happen. I mean, you just, I mean, a team like Alabama needs no help. You know what I mean? And when the refs are helping them, I mean, it's going to be really, really tough to get a win. And again, I'm not saying that if South Carolina gets those two calls and win the game, but Again, just when that's going against you, it's just going to be almost impossible to beat a team like Alabama. So, uh, lot no, a lot of great points, though, man. Adam, really appreciate uh, you know appreciate you calling in as always. Hey, Chris, I was just calling to give my comments about the uh, Alabama game and uh, just a question. So, I was at the game on Saturday, and I thought it was, game cost looked okay. Uh, lots of opportunities missed, but from my perspective, it seemed like the uh, the refs didn't really give us much of a chance. And I know that Muschamp said he would not comment on the on the refs at halftime. Do you think that the uh, that the team and the fan base would rally around Will Muschamp if he were to uh, come out and you know give a give a comment about the refs and uh, maybe you know write a report to the NCAA about how unfair it was and uh, to to the student athletes of USC. Uh, up against, you know, the number two team in the country. Um, and then they have to play the rest, too. Um, so I just wonder what your thoughts are if, uh, if the fan base and the student athletes would rally around Will Muschamp if he were to uh, make a public statement and, uh, you know, give us some of that money we're paying him uh, to give a fine, you know, pay that fine that's going to come with it. 
All right. Thanks so much for the uh, for the voicemail for the question. So I mean, I think a lot of people have rallied around him just for that just for that comment before half. I mean, it was. I mean, he was obviously physically shook. I mean, he was upset like most of us were. Um, and I mean, I would hope honestly that probably behind closed doors, I've got to imagine they're writing something to the to the SEC. I mean, I, how could you not? You know, how could you not? So would it help? I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. Honestly, probably I don't know. I just I don't think there'd be anything to gain from it, really. I mean, I, dude, the way you're going to get the fan base, especially, but the I think the team loves Muschamp. I think players that play for him, you know, you talk to any of them, you 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 hear them say that. Um, but to get the fan base to rally back around, man, I mean, I think Gamecock fans have always loved the intensity and the passion and the way he, you know, that that side of it. But you got to go win. I mean, that's just the biggest. That's how you're going to get a fan base to rally around you as a head coach. Win. There really is no other option. So I'm going to play this voicemail for you guys. Um, I don't know who this is. I don't really care to know who this is, but I think it was just funny. I got a good laugh out of it. So I'm going to play this for you guys. You guys suck. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. I Like I said, I, I just had to play it because – Whoever left that, thank you for genuinely giving me a good laugh. I, I don't – whoever took the time out of their, their day or their night or whatever to leave that. And it was left at 8.17 this morning. So, literally somebody waking up, probably getting their day started, getting ready for church. And they're like, let me call the Spurs Up show and leave this voicemail. Let it, tell them how I really feel. So, <clears throat> I just thought I'd let you guys hear that. Thank you so much for that voicemail because, again, it genuinely gave me – a very good laugh so thank you all right got one more voicemail for you guys and then we'll get in the actual listener questions uh on instagram hey chris this is kevin love the show uh big fan of it helps me uh support the gamecocks all the way over here in middle tennessee look i know all of us in garden and black yesterday we're really hoping for a win against bama maybe some repeat of the magic in 2010 um and of course we had the showing that we did yesterday but um you know, I think, honestly, there are a lot of uh, takeaways, some good takeaways from the game uh, that we can take. And when you look at it in the Muschamp era, I don't think there has been a game like yesterday's, a 330 CBS game or a big primetime game, that uh, we have gone out there and we have looked ready, we've looked prepared. Every time we have a big game, it's usually uh, a piss-poor showing and we – come out of the gate just absolutely atrocious and I didn't feel like it was like that yesterday um things felt a little bit different I mean we're playing the number two team in the nation we're playing Dick Saban uh the Alabama Crimson Tide and it just felt different yesterday um so I feel very confident about how this team looked uh yesterday and obviously the whole Holinsky uh change I don't think we've had a quarterback as comfortable in the pocket as he was yesterday since probably the Dylan Thompson era um, obviously, we went through all those quarterback changes with Spurrier, and we've had the quarterbacks with Muschamp, but it felt really good to see a couple of dimes from our QB and somebody who was comfortable in the pocket, and not afraid just to take a hit or just to make a play, too. So um, I feel like the SEC East is wide open right now, honestly. Uh, if we can take care of Georgia, it's going to be a long, long shot, but if we can take care of Georgia, uh, you know, I think there's a good opportunity that we can make a run in the East. Um, I don't think there's a 
another team in the East that we can't beat. So uh, hopefully things are on the up and up. Love the show. And as always, go Cox and Spurs up. All right, Kevin, appreciate the voicemail, man. Appreciate you uh, you tuning in, calling in from uh, Middle Tennessee. I, my, my condolences are with you being up there probably in Vol country. But, uh, no, <laughs> either way, no, you, you make a lot of great points. Again, love your point regarding kind of comparing or just making the point that, you know, Holinsky, it feels like he's the first quarterback that looks that comfortable in the pocket, uh, you know, since Dylan Thompson. Because he does look comfortable. You're right. I mean, you, you're right 100% there. Um, <clears throat> you know, I – I felt that as well. Like I, it did feel different in the sense that we actually – it felt like we were ready to play. Like, we we came out and played with some energy, intensity, you know, aggressive play calling. Like, we came out looking, like, ready to play, which was a very welcome sight. So, I agree with you 100%. As far as the SEC East, man, I mean, dude, here's the thing, man. We need to focus on winning our next two games. Really, we need to focus on the next one, Mizzou. I mean, this is – this Mizzou game is probably at this point. I mean, we um, a lot. I I said before the season that the Missouri game was going to be one of the bigger games of the season, if not the biggest. Um, I mean, listen, this game coming up is going, and I, obviously I'll break it down a lot more on the uh, the Thursday show. But <clears throat> you know, this game's going to go a long way in determining whether we hit bowl eligibility or not. To be perfectly honest with you, um, so you've got the Missouri game, and then you got Kentucky, which doesn't need any explanation how big of a game it is and why. Um, and then you go to Athens. So the Gamecocks, before we even start thinking, I mean, listen, I still think the SEC East is fully controlled by Georgia. They've got way more talent than us or anybody else in the East for that matter. I think we could certainly finish number two. I think it's wide open in that regard. I think Georgia still, it's their division. I think it's their team to beat. Um, I mean, who knows if something crazy could happen in Athens, but I'm not banking on it. But, uh, dude, South Carolina's got to worry about these next two games because these next two games – are going to go a long way in determining the this season, this coaching staff's future, the direction of this program, everything. So these next two games are what we really need to worry about. But, yeah, no, loved your comments. Again, really like what we saw from Alinsky. I think he can definitely be that guy for us, no doubt. Um, all right, so let's get into some listener questions from Instagram here. Going to run through these. Um, Sawyer124, how does the defense rebound next week at Mizzou? You got to get back to the basics and tackle better. I mean, listen, you're not going to face the same caliber of offense in regards to on the outside that you saw in Alabama, but South Carolina has just got to tackle better. It comes down to fundamentals, man. They've got to tackle better, come out with a better plan, and execute. Uh, Shootist290, what was your opinion on the refs' performance? They were, they were awful. They were god-awful. Uh, Justin underscore Clemmer, what are our chances of beating Georgia? Right now, gun to head, I would say 15%, 20%. We'll say 20%. Uh, Justin underscore Clemmer, again, is Muschamp still in the hot seat after this game? I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know what – I mean, we're one and two. I understand that we're a lot of positive things to take away, but we're one and two as a football team, and you are what your record says you are for sure. Uh, Grayson underscore Foster 13, what did you think about Ryan's first game in the SEC? I thought he played well. I mean, I thought he – again – his stats were good, which were great. But the bigger things that I wanted to see, his composure, um, his leadership, you know, the way he commanded the offense and the way – was he intimidated at all by Alabama? He was not. So, I saw everything I need to see. I feel very confident moving forward with Ryan Holinsky. Um, M. M.Terrell75, sorry. Uh, why they didn't let Kevin Harris run the ball? I, I, I don't know. That's a great question. I thought they could have used him there on the goal line especially. Um, D underscore amazing underscore blizzard. We're going to whip that tiger ass next Saturday. And in quotes, it says USC alumnus Mizzou grad student here. 
yeah, hopefully you have a lot of crap to talk about of those guys. I would love to see that and would love to see us obviously get a huge win. Um, Justin underscore Clemmer again, where was Joyner all game? I, I don't know. I mean, there were people asking about Joyner. Why, why didn't we use him? I certainly saw him at wide receiver out there. But there didn't really feel like a time where I was like, hey, this is the moment. I mean, I don't know. I didn't, they didn't feel like a time where it was a good time to put him in at quarterback. I, I don't know. Could they have? Sure. Would I have hated if they did? No. But I wasn't really mad with the fact of how they, how they went about the offense, how they used different guys on offense. I thought it was fine. Um, Flim 2001, any word on why they don't run more Wildcat plays with Joiner? Change of pace couldn't hurt. Again, I agree with you. I'd like to see more of it, but I wasn't, like, upset that we didn't see more of it. Like, it didn't feel like there was a great time in the game to do it. But, uh, no, certainly, I'd definitely like to see it more, like you're saying. Nick underscore Brooke underscore Cobb. It seemed like we had a lot of busted coverages. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that 100%. I mean, we, we were bad in the secondary. I mean, there's just no, no, there's no other way to put it. We were bad in the secondary. Um, let's see. Let's see. Any more? All right. So, no, that's going to be all the questions. So, appreciate you guys, obviously, with the voicemails, the questions. Makes it a lot of fun. A lot of good questions as well. Um, and we'll obviously do it again for the Thursday show. We'll open the lines back up. Um, got a fantastic interview for you guys. Uh, again, appreciate you guys tuning in. We got a fantastic interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman, Yurik Jones. I mean, it was great to get his perspective. So, the interview you're going to notice – was the Friday before the Alabama game. So we talk about the Bama game in detail. Yurik actually picked uh, South Carolina to win 48-41, to which obviously did not come true. But either way, I, I, I like the, uh, the bold pick there. But uh, Yurik Jones played with the team 2015-2017. to So it was obviously very cool to get his perspective and the perspective from a guy who, you know, has probably played with over half of the Gamecocks on the current team right now played for Will Muschamp. You know, we talked, obviously, about his career and kind of the, the state of the program, where he thinks it's headed. Uh, talked a lot of other good stuff, a lot of football talk. Um, so, very excited for you guys to hear this in interview, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Um, guys, if you need your tickets, obviously, Gamecocks go on the road this weekend. So, if you are going up to Columbia, Missouri, you want tickets to the game, go through SeatGeek. But, obviously, South Carolina's next home game against Kentucky and the rest of the home games this year, Florida, Vanderbilt, Appalachian State and Clemson if you're going to Georgia if you need any tickets to Gamecock sporting events or any other sporting events like NFL NHL NBA MLB whatever you need tickets to concerts comedy club events they're going to have them go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com use the promo code SPURSUP you're going to save $20 off your first purchase they've got a great ticketing rating system where they rate the tickets for you based on the type of deal you're getting so you're never going to worry again about tickets am i overpaying am i getting the best bang for my buck SeatGeek really does all of that work for you they make sure hey whatever you're paying you get to put, put your tickets up against other tickets you see the type of deal you're getting you know if you're getting ripped off if you're getting a steal you have that peace of mind before you click the buy button so again that's our friends over at SeatGeek. it's SeatGeek. Uh, go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com. That's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K.com. Use the promo code SPURSUP, S-P-U-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase. All right, enjoy this interview with former Gamecocks defensive lineman, Yurik Jones. All 
All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 2015 to 2017. During his career, he amassed 71 total tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, a sack, helped lead the Gamecocks to the 2018 Outback Bowl Championship, uh, had a brief pro career with Houston, Carolina, uh, Seattle, also talking about you getting ready for the XFL draft. You've been in arena ball, so still playing, obviously, but pleased to welcome former Gamecocks defensive lineman or, or Yurik Jones to the show. Yurik, appreciate you taking the time, man. Thank you. Good Pleasure to you. have you on. Obviously, it's Friday of uh, Bama week, day before Bama, and everybody will be hearing this oh, yeah. uh, after the Bama game, but definitely glad to have you in town and have you on the show, man. So I appreciate oh, yeah. you taking the time. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to go back to the beginning for you because it's funny. I was looking at kind of just your career breakdown, if you will, and you're, you're a kid that comes out of the state of Alabama, and you were actually committed to Mississippi State out of right. high school right. before you went the JUCO route. So just, I mean, talk about – sort of what led you to South Carolina eventually? Because I know, again, you were going to go to Mississippi State, went JUCO, and I saw at one point you were committed to Maryland even. Right, like, right. What, what? just talk about that path getting to South Carolina. Well, I, I'll start from the beginning. Coming out of high school, you know, you got to take the, the ACT, the grad exam, and all that good stuff just to be able to get to college. Right. So, me, you know, I kind of I procrastinated that situation all the way to the last minute, and I ended up qualifying late. So, you know, I was – number one defensive end coming out of coming out of my class in the state of Alabama. So I right. had a pretty good bit of offers. But what I did was qualify late. Mm -hmm. So that took me to JUCO route. So I ended up playing JUCO route. You know, I balled out, done my numbers. I ended up, you know, top five in mm -hmm. the country in JUCO. Right. So then, you know, I, me being in Kansas, I was getting all the the Cal, the, the UCLA's, the mm -hmm. the – the Oregon's, those West type of schools. Yeah, 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 those type of schools. So, you know, it's a funny story. I had took a um, coach from Maryland came up. He saw me. He, you know, he he gave me an offer, and you know, I figured that you know Maryland was the closest thing to home, right? Versus Southern Cal, Oregon, right, UCLA. Right, for sure. So I had already committed, and then you know they were calling me, telling me, you know, we're going to set you up an official visit. They set me up a weekend. And then it was Thanksgiving weekend. It was the weekend before I took my official visit to Maryland. Uh, coach Deke Adams, I remember. Coach mm -hmm. Deke Adams, he was a D-line coach here in South Carolina. And he called me on Thanksgiving Day, and he was like, you know, we love you. We want you. We got a spot for you here if you want to take it. Right. So I'm saying, okay, you know, I, that's South, you know, SEC, South Carolina is close to home. is you know, be a good opportunity for me. So I said, you know, Coach, can you give me an official visit and, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. You know, I'm committed to Maryland right now, but, you know, nothing signed. I'm still right. open. For sure. So, and I'll, I'll, I'll be first to admit, I'm, I'm terrified of flying. I hate to fly. <laughs> right. I ended up having to fly from Kansas to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Washington, from Washington to Atlanta, from Atlanta back to Kansas. That same day they said, we're going to put you on a plane and we're going to bring you back. To South Carolina. You had to get over that fear so really fast. <laughs> I, the same exact day, that same night, I had to fly back from from Kansas right. to Atlanta, from Atlanta to South Carolina. I took my official visit there. I loved it. it I, I, I told I told Coach Adams and and Coach Spurrier the, the day I got here, I said, Coach, this this is where I want to be. You let me know what I got to do on my end, and and we'll make it happen. So I ended up committing there. I had to call call Maryland in the airport and tell them, you know. Coach, I, I found a better fit. It's closer to home. You know, SEC is, is better for me in my position. Right. So, I feel like this would be a better fit for me. 
So I ended up committing to South Carolina. And then, you know, the rest was in the book. What's that? Because, I mean, a lot of guys, especially now, I mean, I mean, you've probably seen recruiting on social media has just gotten crazy with, like, the top oh, yeah. 15 lists and the yeah. top 10. But, like, when you're calling and decommitting, like, what is that? that how is that call? Like, that, that has to be a pretty uncomfortable situation to, you know, uh, it's like breaking up with somebody, right? right I mean, it's right, like, right. I'll, I'll explain it from, from, from my aspect now and my aspect then. Mm. Then I was in a mind phrase of, oh, you know, I'm, I don't want to kind of, you know, step on any toes. I don't want right. to hurt any feelings. But, you know, being in school and the process and the college, it's a business. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, coaches leave. I mean, right. you know, what's the difference, and, right? And, and they'll, and they'll fire you. How you experience that. Right. <laughs> so. And they'll fire you. They'll send you on. So, right. now I would say, you know, coach, hey, this is not working. I, I got I to gotta take my talents elsewhere and, and we'll just have to leave it at that. Right. So I, I want to go back because you talked about obviously you played two years at JUCO. One of my favorite shows is the Last Chance You show. I mean, is it anything like that? Because I feel that show's pretty real. It but is, is it? It's it it's is. like that. It is. It is. I'll start by saying they definitely should have took the show to Butler. Yeah. But you know, it's exactly what you see, and that's those are. It's a grind, like the, straight up a grind. You got to love football for sure. And you know, in Kansas, our 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 little campus was in a in the middle of a, a oil refinery mm. and it was nothing but land and flat trees and oil pumps and you know the nearest town was in 45 an hour minutes away which is Wichita mm. so it, I mean you just basically just staring at land every right. single day so For it's sure. kind of just like being <laughs> an ant on the floor just looking did, did you watch that show last year? Did. Did. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it was – I mean, it's, it's – the Jason Brown thing was just crazy yeah. with what he went through. And you see what school uh, – you see what school uh, tore that all apart. No, with the uh, – Butler. Oh, that was – yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah Butler. Yeah, school, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I remember that for sure. Yep. So, I want to ask you, because you came in at an interesting time. You know, you committed – what was it, November of 2014? Is that right? Was it mm-hmm. late 2014? Yep. And then you get on campus in 2015. 2015. Um, and this was right around the time – you know, South Carolina coming off their best run in school history, right. 2014. Right. I mean, I, I think a lot of people think that if South Carolina had the caliber of defense they hoped they'd have had in 2014, that could right. have been a huge year because, I mean, the offense tore it up. But I just remember that offseason being the one. I think that was the offseason where Spurrier made the two or three more years comment. I don't know yeah. if you remember that where he said, like, you know, I'll, I'll coach two. Did that – like, did that – because I remember Bryson Allen Williams, I talked to your former teammate, I talked to him about it, and he cited that specifically as, like, he thinks that really hurt recruiting it for Spurrier. Did. I mean, did that, way, did. did that affect you at all, somebody coming in and you were like, what? Um, like, not really, because at that point I was – You were just trying to get I, SEC, yeah, right? I was excited. Like, yeah. I was excited to be in a bigger school. I was ready right. to go. But, you know, what a lot of people don't know is, in that class we actually had one of the top-ranked defensive line class that South Carolina has ever mm-hmm. had. And, you know, for, I, you know, can't, can't state no names on it. Right, right, right. But, right. you know, coming from a higher, the higher board on it, you, that is just some, it's just certain stuff you can't do. Right. And it's certain stuff you can't say. I felt like if he felt like he had a few years or left, he, he should have just let it pan out how it paid. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, he's kind of, that's kind of like my head coach telling you, yeah, we're, we're going to roll, but, you know, we ain't got too much longer to roll. Right. So, but, yeah, that it, it that definitely, it took its toll because I feel, I feel like when he said that, it took its toll on the entire staff. Yeah. yeah. And no as you doubt, see, no doubt. we fell apart. Mm. It wasn't a team. It was just 
a disaster. Did, did you were, – were you – I mean, because I can just imagine, again, you're excited as hell because you're like, I'm finally getting out of JUCO, SEC right. ball, like what South Carolina has done just literally like a year or two before that. I mean, were you like, though, in that middle of that 2015 season, you're like, what the hell did I get myself into? Uh, like, this yes, is I was <laughs> – I'll tell both sides of it. You know, I, at one point I was like, did I make the right decision? Like, right. I didn't come to school to be – Because you don't come to lose. No. I mean, you, even if it is SEC, you come to win. Right. And then, you know, on the flip side, I was like, man, this this exciting. I mean, we're losing, but, you know, I'm a part of 80,000. Right, right, right. Sandstorm right. in 2001. So, I'm like – you know, this is still a great experience, even though we losing every week. Mm. But, you know, it, it wasn't fun. Yeah. It wasn't fun. You, you talked about Spurrier. What were your first interactions with him like? Um, Spurrier, Spurrier definitely loved me. Yeah. And he loved me not only as a player, but as a person. Because mm. I, even when I played in the Alliance, he, he treated me with the same, the same respect he did when I was recruited. Even when we would play Florida and I would run into him, he would still speak to me the same way. Him and his wife were still – you know, yeah. treat me like – I mean, Jerry's well-known and just awesome. Yeah, she's she's yeah. all around. Right. So, they would still treat me the same way they treated me when I was getting recruited. Right. So, again, you know, that 2015 season, obviously, the, the reason that we all think of it is because that's the season that uh, Steve Spurrier resigned about, what, halfway, three-quarters of the way through – really halfway right. through the year. I mean, for you, again, you, you were recruited by Deke Adams, but more or less Steve Spurrier. I mean, right. what was – and you're – what I like about you, honestly, man, is like you're a very outspoken dude, like right. especially on social media. But right. like you just you just tell it how it is. Yeah. So I mean, how was your reaction like in the locker room? Like, were you one of the more outs? Because I mean, I know again from others I've talked with, it was like half the team was just kind of whatever about it. Half the team was pissed. Like, I mean, what? Where did you lie when you found the, the news? Like, what was going through your head? Um, I was. At that point in time, I was I was still I was still a puppy dog. Right. So I was still I was still learning. I still had top dogs who were over me. So at that point in time, I was just like, man, you know, I mean, I I, I would talk to the older guys, and and it was guys like Pharaoh and mm. Connor and all those guys. I'm like, I mean, I've never been a part of nothing <laughs> like this. What do we do? Right. Like, how how do, how, do, how does this work? Mm. But you know, they were they were. I wouldn't say all too positive about it, but right. you know, everybody wanted to finish the season. Everybody wanted mm -hmm. to get it did. So, you know, it's and that that season, you you jumped around, you switched positions a lot, oh, right? Because yeah, I, I yeah. saw an interview. I was like I said, I was just looking before you came over here. I saw an interview from I think it was uh, preseason 2016, and obviously that's Muschamp's taking over, and you're playing defensive line, and right. you cited just like how confusing and how tough it was right. because you get on. I mean, obviously again, like you said, coming out of high school, you're one of the you're the number one rated defensive end, and then you get to South Carolina, you're going from offensive line, defensive right. line. Like, right. I mean, that had to just be just brutal. Man, they they took me from took me from defensive tackle to defensive end, from defensive end to offensive tackle, from offensive tackle to tight end, and I'm and I'm <laughs> sitting here new to all of this, and everything's going a thousand miles an hour, and I'm and I'm trying to, and I'm calling my parents, I'm frustrated. I'm like, okay, one, why are they moving me around like this? And, What's going? on? I mean, that, it has to be tough just learn every position. Like you're just starting over every was, day. Yes, it was. It was. It it, it, would, it would literally get to the point to where they would say, you know, we're, we're thank you good enough to do this and this. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna practice you at both, and we're gonna see what you can do. But you know, as a, as a newbie, you got a right. million of things going on and right, right, at right. one time, and it's just like it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, did did you when you got on campus? Did you 
was there any indication to you that 2015 season, how it went, like that was that type of season coming? Was there anything to you that said that, you know, we might not be as good as we hope we are? Because, I mean, you obviously have just tons of optimism in the offseason, but like was there anything that stood out where you were concerned or it just kind of hit you like a ton of bricks? It's just, it's yeah. just, it's just, honestly, it just hit us because we had, we had I mean, you still had Pharaoh, like right. you said, I mean, you still had, you know, guys, right? We had, I mean, we had some competitive workouts. We we had big lift days, so you know it was it it, it was pretty it was an pretty tense summer, and all the, all the winter fall and all that good stuff, all the workouts we went through, they were they were pretty intense. So just to just to get there, and then we get on the field, it it, it just I guess it didn't translate. Right. You know, we we ended up beating North Carolina the yeah. first game. Who so won like eleven games? Right. Already. So <laughs> at that point, you know, we're thinking, okay. Yeah. We, we're, we're going to live up to this hype and then just all started going downhill. Right. So let's get to more, more positive days. So obviously that 2015 season happens, Spurrier resigns, then Will Muschamp is hired. And I know you get probably being a defensive guy, I'd imagine you had to be pretty excited about that. Talk, just talk about, cause I know he came in and, you know, I've talked with other guys I and mean, he immediately just changed the culture, flipped the script on everything. What was that first team meeting like with Muschamp? Um, the first team meeting was kind of like, the shark attack in the, in, the, in the military. It was <laughs> everybody was frozen, not a word said. You know, he's if if, if you ever been in, I'm, I'm sure you have. But if you've ever been in a in a coach Muschamp meeting, a press conference, or anything, mm-hmm. he's kind of got that sound to his voice, like, okay, listen, yeah, and listen now. <laughs> commands attention. Right. He, he commands the attention right. of the room. Yeah. Right. So it was, you know. It, we definitely knew when he started talking that the culture was going to change immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it did. That very next day, it changed. Yeah. I, I think you could see that. I mean, you can still see it now, but I def- I think you definitely saw it, you know, 2016, you guys go to a bowl, and I think a lot of people didn't know what to expect, and everybody right. said that was a pretty good year. And then, you know, really 2017, you had a really, really good year. Yes. I mean, you were part of that defensive line that, you know, it's funny. I think Muschamp – has it feels like he's preached the same thing, but it's true. Right. He's preached the same thing the last couple of years, where it's like our seniors need to play really well. Right. And you right. were one of those seniors in 2017. It was like you, Stallworth, Dante, uh, Dante Sawyer. Right. I mean, he had a he had Stop a monster more. year that year yeah. with the fumble recoveries and stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, I mean, what was what was the biggest change for you? I guess like was there any changes with you? Like, because I, I guess they they went ahead and said, hey, you're a defensive lineman. Right. Like, you're not this offensive line stuff. You're not doing. I mean. Right. Which I'm sure had to be like really welcoming to you to yeah. finally play the position you felt like you were meant to play. Right, right. It it, it made well as as soon as he got there, he knew he already knew who I was. He already knew my background because mm-hmm. he'd done some recruiting on me in high school. Right. And and he told me, You're a defensive lineman. Right. So once I'm at a set position, you know, it, it makes it easier to learn that oh, yeah. that one job you gotta do. So and then, you know, it they they brought a whole different type of energy, and it just it elevated it elevated the level of play from each and everybody around me. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to go back to the last time that uh, South Carolina beat a ranked team, and uh, the first win over a ranked team. You guys have that 2016 Tennessee game, which I feel like kind of was that early on, at least in the Muschamp tenure, was like that signature win that everybody was looking for. And yeah. South Carolina, what I think we had lost that top twenty five, top yeah, twenty five. Yeah, they were. I think they were like nineteenth that game, which. Yeah. Or twenty first or something. My, my senior year, we beat NC State in Charlotte, and they were in the top twenty five. That's right. Then they were. They were. So that, that first one they got. That first yeah. one he got. 
But just talk about that, that night because I know a lot of people talk about it's one of their favorite games, you know, under the Muschamp era at Carolina, night yeah. game. Everybody hates Tennessee. I mean, just talk about that night. I will say that is the loudest, loudest stadium I have ever been in in my entire life, recruitment-wise and all. It was so loud, you could feel the field vibrating, and we couldn't get calls from from here to here during that game. And just for us to to be able to rally and come together, because that was that was our first game off of our bye week. Mm. So we was coming back into it. So it kind of it kind of set the tone of us having a new team, a new mindset, a new mentality on moving right. forward. For sure. So and it's funny you mentioned the bye week because that's I mean that same season you know. Jake Bentley takes over the reins. I mean, you right. hit your former teammate. You right. saw it. I mean, was there a new energy in the football team after he, it, it he took over? It was. And, yeah. I, and I tell you what, is that same type of energy they took now, the energy, the one that we got stepped in there now, right. it's, it's triple of what we of what With we Holinsky you're talking about currently, right. yeah. Right. And that's, that's no discredit to anyone. Right, because, right. You know, it's weird. I mean, it's just like that type of change, for whatever reason, just it just lights a fire. Like right. it, I don't know what it is, but it gives you a spark for whatever right. reason. And like and like like the analogy I use, the kind of similarity of what I tell a lot of people is when LeBron went to Cleveland, mm. he made everybody around him better. Right. Everybody. So I feel like freshman, junior, sophomore, senior, whatever it is, mm. this guy can step in. And he can make the whole team around him better. Do you feel like it just comes from like a hope perspective or just like a, I mean, you know, not that there's, you know, like you said, it's not a discredit to anyone, right. but it's like, I, I feel like you can also feel that within the fan base too. Right. It's like, it just gives you a sense of hope that maybe you did, or just, you don't know what, I think it's the, 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 in, the intrigue of uncertainty that we, right. we just don't know what's going to happen. Right. Like the Alabama right. game, which again, I mean, you're going to hear this after the game, but Either way, like, throughout the rest of the season, it's just what can this kid do? You know what I mean? Like, right. You just don't know. I mean, right. he could fall flat on his face, but he could be, right. you know, that next dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like I, like I tell anybody. And, and, and me and Halinski, we, we talked. Me right. and him talked right, right. directly before the season started. And I told him, I said, you know, whether – no matter what happens this season, you, 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 you're going to be that guy when right. it's your turn. Because – we know what Jake can do. Right. We we seen Jake torch Clemson for what five hundred yards, yards yeah. right? Yeah. So we know what he can do. I mean, this is his senior year, so yeah. you know, you know, prayers to him and oh, we we wasn't expecting an injury. We, we was expecting next man up, season, right? But you know, man down, man up. Yeah. yeah. And 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 a lot of people can can have their own opinion. You know, it's, it's Charleston Southern, whatever. Right. This guy's a freshman. Right. To command an offense to like he did. To command the offense to set school records that has never been done. Yeah. That's 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 special and that's impressive. Do, do you think that he's already gotten the respect of his teammates and everything? Like, because I feel like he's a guy that's very yeah. mature for yes. a and freshman. He, and and not even then, he earned his respect in the offseason from yeah. how hard he was working. And I heard that from guys who were who are who are on the team. Right. So. That guy earned his respect when he got here. Mm. But him being able to perform like he did, it just amplified it. And, I mean, I think – I mean, you'd probably agree, but, you you know, no matter what happens against Alabama, like South Carolina's in good hands as far as, like, the rest of right. the seasons. I mean, you know, Alabama's Alabama, whatever, right. whatever happened. You know, like Spurrier said, give fate a chance. I mean, it's just kind of what it is. It is what it is. But the rest of the season, I feel like South Carolina's in pretty good hands with Ryan I think Ryan they don't Linsky. win. 
hey, we were going to get there, I know, but... <laughs> I know, I know they're going to win. And, I, and I'll tell it now, man. I, my predicted score is 48 to 41. You know, a, a lot of people from 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 both side, from both fan bases, because I'm from Bama, so right. I got a lot of oh, Bama yeah, you, family yeah. members. So, you know, a lot of people agree with the score, and a lot of people say, you're crazy. Right. But I can tell you, man, this this kid is a difference maker. He he can make this whole team better alone. And I genuinely, I genuinely feel like he's a special kid. He has some, he has a special story. So it's not only just him playing to win, he's playing with his story on his back. And that gives yeah. him a chip. Yeah. Whether he's young or not, he's showing maturity that a lot of freshmen don't show. And he's talking about like, you know, Tyler's out there with me, my brother. Like that's right. exactly what you're talking right. about. Right. So right. we might have to clip that and put that up for the Bama game tomorrow. Just right. quick. so when you're when you're right, we already have yeah. that. That's like he Yuri Jones called this right now. I did, man. It's he called it. He called it. So I want to I want to go back because I want to talk about the Bama game more. But I want to go back because obviously during your career, that 2017 season, that senior season for you was great for the team. You guys win nine games. You win the Outback Bowl. Right. Now I want to talk about it really quickly that year. You guys were incredibly good getting the ball off people. Turnovers. Oh, yeah. I know that's something that Muschamp and T. Rob they preach, and they obviously still preach now. But like, what was it about that season where it was just like it felt like every time that South Carolina needed a turnover, like somebody yeah. on that defense was coming up with it. I can tell you what, and this is me speaking from me being there. When we first started that season, the first thing Coach T. Rob told us was, "We're going to lead the country and taking the ball away. We're going to get the ball. We're going to see the ball. We're going to take the ball." Mm-hmm. And that held because we were number one in the country yeah. in, in, in takeaways. Mm. So, and we emphasize it. We we do, we they still do. I, I haven't been to a practice, so right. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure they do. We do takeaway drills. We do strip circuits. We do tackle circuits. We do all of that on practicing, on getting the ball out, punching the mm. ball out. And I think with that unit we had, I feel like we emphasize it every day because even even in even in practice, even if you couldn't get to it, you would see guys punching at it or clubbing at it or right. ripping at it. Even if you didn't get it out, mm. and we would we would get re- we would get rewarded for it. We would mm-hmm. get T-shirts, we would get gift cards, right, and, right. You know, so but we definitely we definitely emphasize taking the ball, and you know, we would have those conversations on the sideline, like. Okay, it's first quarter. We need one, or or the second quarter. We need two more, and you know it's. I mean, damn, it just bring back memories. <laughs> what what was it like playing for T. Rob? Because he seems like an awesome, just an awesome is. dude, a character. He is, he is man. I, I, and I, I tell people still to this day, man. I that coaching staff that I was part of, I love them all, mm-hmm. and it's because those coaches they they didn't just coach me as a player. They cared about me as a person, right? And and that's why that's why. In in I mean, I wasn't the the best D lineman to come through Carolina, but I have a lot of respect from those guys because of the person I was outside of football, mm-hmm. right? So, you know that that carried a long way with them, and you know it goes a long way with me. We still have a family relationship. Every right. time I see T. Rob, he he tell me, hey, hey, if you ever need anything, call me. If you, mm-hmm. you need this, call me. If you need help, call me. So it's it's it's. It's, it's a great relationship that I have with T. Rob, and I, I I I enjoy playing for him. I enjoy playing with LT. I enjoy playing with Mike P. I enjoy mm-hmm. playing with Coach Hustler. I enjoyed the whole staff. Right. It was it was it was none but love for me. 
So you, you guys, again, your last collegiate game, you guys wrapped it up on a high note, beat Michigan yeah. in what was a crazy, crazy comeback game, mm-hmm. uh, you know, come from behind. I, you were talking about – it's funny that you mentioned that about what T-Rob said about leading the country in turnovers. Right. If I remember correctly, I don't know if he told the media or if he told some, how somebody – or maybe one of the players said something, but basically they said that T-Rob said that he wanted to break the Outback Bowl record for turnovers, which mm-hmm. I think was like four, and you guys yeah. got five turnovers. Right. So it's like funny that right. – because like, yeah. I remember us coming to the sideline, and and he 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 pulled us together. He said, "We got four. We need one more. Who's gonna be the one to get it?" <laughs> and it was what Montac, right? They ended Montac, it. Yeah, the, the last pick. interception of the game. Yeah, sealed the deal. <laughs> you know, that was that's all she wrote. Right yeah, there. for sure. So I mean, for you though, like personally, how awesome was it? Just into your career with a W, with a you know, you get a trophy, Outback Bowl win. I mean, that that had to be, you know, and, and to cap off, it was a really a great season. Right. Well, my my goal. Coming in, coming into college was was a course to go to the next level, right. to the league or whatever. But my goal being there was I wanted a ring, mm. and we got a ring. Right. So I felt like the mission that I set for myself going into college, I accomplished it. I accomplished it just by winning that Outback Bowl because right. we got a ring for it. So right. that's 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 all I that's all I had set out for. Mm. I mean, of course, we wanted the bigger ring. We wanted the right, big right, ring, but, you know, but. You know, certain stuff didn't pan out our way. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we kept fighting. We, we stayed together, and it went how it went. Right. I, I want to ask you about one of your <clears> – because, <throat> again, a lot of the guys that are going to be playing on, you know, tomorrow afternoon, your former teammates. I mean, I'd say most of them, really. But one guy I want to ask you about specifically, and I'm sure it's been fun for you to watch this guy grow, is Javon Kinlaw. And yeah. I think Kinlaw guy that, you know, coming into this year – a dude that a lot of people were saying, you know, potential first-round draft pick. And, I mean, I know for me, looking at that Alabama game, like, he's one that has to have – he needs to have right. a big game. I mean, it's right. just big-time players make big-time plays. And it's like, you're this you're this big-time player, like, top competition rolls in, like, have right. your best game, right? right, rise the occasion. But for you, like, when you look at Javon, his game, like, especially like his growth from – because I know probably you saw him when he came in when, right. you know, his body wasn't what it is right. now. I mean, he right. completely – which – I don't know how a dude that's that big as a six-pack, but, right. you know, whatever. But I, just talk about how, how how cool it's been seeing his progression and then kind of what you're expecting from him I for the 2019 you, I can season. tell you this now. Javon Kinlaw, me and, me and Kinlaw has had the closest relationship that I've had with any Gamecock player since I've been here. Mm. We talk – we don't talk every day. We don't talk every week. But, you know, we make sure we, we get in touch. We contact each right. other. We know what's going on. Him coming in – was kind of like I, I I wouldn't even say as a little brother because he had he he came in with knowledge of the game already. Right. The only thing that he was a JUCO guy too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. JUCO guy. The only yeah. thing that he done when he got here was he changed his habits. Right. He changed his eating. He he changed his lifting. He changed his conditioning. He changed his lifestyle. He changed mm-hmm. everything. And I mean, she, they 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 made a man molded machine. I, <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember he said he stopped eating Chinese food. Right? Right. That was one of the I've things. I've never he seen said. nobody that big built like that either. Yeah, I mean he's a monster. And, I mean he's a monster. And, and I, I can t- I can I can tell you how it is and be honest with it. Like his 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 progress inspired me to do better. Right. Because that dude was huge when he came in. Right. Now he's got a six pack. Yeah. So it's still huge though, but just huge. just ripped. Right. So you know, but that's that's, that's my. Brother. Yeah, I mean, one, one of the funnier just because I'm just thinking about like your former teammates and Ken Law. Like the one of the funnier uh, presser quotes was Taylor Stallworth, the 2017 Florida game. 
But he's like, well, I'm thinking they, or then he said, uh, all I'm thinking is they, they better call the ambulance. <laughs> he's talking about Jemias. Well, he's like, he yeah. say jam, slow him down and saw Ken law running. He said, yeah. they better call the ambulance. Here comes Javon. <laughs> the thing was, me and, me and, me and Ken law was game day roommates. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, that we, that brought us a lot closer to, you know, we was, we study playbooks, ask questions, mm. talk to each other about the game, talk to each other about life. So, yeah. So I, I want to ask you some, not a tough question, but just a question. So, like I said, you're, you're outspoken on social media. Yeah. Um, as am I, obviously I've said some things, we've all had some takes, whatever. And uh, I know one thing, I, obviously social media just exploded after the UNC game is because you know, everybody acts rationally after we lose. And yeah. I mean, hell me included, you know, I, I've said some stuff and, had some stuff go viral, whatever. But one of the things you said I want to ask you about, which was a tweet, which was basically you were giving advice. I'll, I'll read it. I'll read it verbatim because I don't want to, yeah. like, paraphrase it. But it said, my advice on my former teammates would be have thick skin, say F the media, fans, anybody else, reset, refocus, and press the gas. Right. I know what you meant when you said that. But a lot of fans, obviously, as you probably saw, like, were like, you know, what talking about the fans. Yeah. like yeah. So, like, I, I want to give you the platform to say, like, what, what did you – because I know, obviously, you love Gamecock fans. Yeah. You love Gamecock yeah. Nation. But, like, what did you mean by that? Like, what was the message behind that? Let me be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't care. I, no, no. I, I mean, I, 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 I respect my, that. My thing was is I, kn I, know, I know how the system is. Mm. When you win and they love you, when you lose and they hate right. you. Yeah. So, being in a place, you, you, you look at it like, because, I mean, look at just what happened after Charleston Southern. Right. It was like everybody was back on right. the, the bandwagon. Well, you know, them being together, I mean, the, 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 the slogan is, we're all we got, we're all we need. Right. So anything outside of outside of this meeting room yeah. is, is irrelevant. Right. And to them, I can be that outside. I could be irrelevant because mm -hmm. I'm outside of the room. Now. Right, I'm right. no longer in the room. For sure. But, yeah. But, you know, I – I just I just felt the need to pass that knowledge on saying, man, who cares? Because that's when I had just somebody had just sent me the video of 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 uh, Tory Tory going yeah, off, yeah. and I'm like, man, you know, everybody everybody can voice their opinion. Right. Every, yeah. Everybody can tell you what what you should have did, what you could have did, what you would have did. At the end of the day, we took the L. It's over with. You you figure out what you got to do, and you move forward. Right. So and and and. There were people blowing up my comments like you you, you saying F the fans who who buy season tickets. If 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 they felt that way, I don't care. They right. felt that way, they felt that way. Yeah. I don't I, yeah. I don't care. I'll step on toes all day. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day You just say what needs to be said, right. whether it hurts your right. feelings or not. Right. And I, right. I I love this team. I have respect for this team. I have right. respect for them coaches. So at the end of the day, I'm gonna speak how I feel on on helping them guys rally together and move forward. Instead of letting people outside of the room try to tear them apart, right? Because essentially, that's all that does is right. people, you know, oh, ho, oh, Jake, this or Jake, that. Yeah. Man, so what? Yeah. Let it go. Okay, he he messed up. He threw a pick. All right. Well, you know. And then you got the people who who defend that and say, well, you know, it, it happens. It's a pattern. Okay. Well, Kalinsky stepped in. Let's press the gas and move right. forward. It's, it's no need to. Right. keep backtracking. Which leads me to my next question because uh, I wasn't one of the people that came after Jake. I was one of the people that came after Muschamp. And a lot of people hated me for it. And right. some people still hate me for it. And right. it is what it is. And so just tell me, though, with a, with a much clearer mind, obviously, two weeks later, I'll tell you my biggest concern right now 
And Love Muschamp is a football guy. I mean, they're not right. – he shit out more football than I would ever know in my entire life, right. 110%. I mean, you listen to him in press conferences like he's a football nerd, like the dude knows the game right. inside and out, right. offensively, defensively, special teams, the whole shebang. Right. The biggest thing that concerned me, and again, it's the guys on the field that play the game, but it looked like it, – and, and I think it's because it followed up the bowl game too, in which it was just – you had that terrible showing against Virginia, and right. then – to me, it just looked like – because I was at the game, it just looked like an extension of that Virginia game where our team didn't look that motivated to play, didn't look right. really ready to play. Right. So, like – and so that's my biggest concern is just, like, if we can't get ready in eight months of an offseason, like, how are we going to get ready to beat Alabama in a week? Right. You know what I mean? Like, so, from, from a former player, to right. me, just, like, you know, I'll represent the fans, but to me, like, what would you say to people just to let them know that, like, it's not – going to become or isn't at all a trend and that Muschamp's got this thing still going in the right direction. Because, again, we talked about the whole hope factor, and I right. think that change at quarterback, unfortunate the way it happened, yeah. but that provides people like a spark of hope. I mean, but it can't be that simple as to where changing one player on the team is going right. to change the entire right. outcome, right? It is, it's definitely, it's definitely going to take some time. Right. But from my opinion, I felt like – I feel like – I'm not going to say felt. I feel like this team now still has the talent to beat anybody they play. Mm -hmm. We had somebody in there. No discredit to anyone. The job didn't get did. Prayers goes out to him and his family. He suffered an injury. Right. A guy came in. He made it happen. Mm -hmm. Whether Whatever school it was, I feel like that was the last piece to the puzzle that we needed to make the picture. Because mm -hmm. I feel – I mean, do you do you think like the quarterback really? I mean, I know it affects the offense, but would you, it affects the entire energy of the team. It, does. it sounds like you're saying, like you, even defensively, everything. You take Tom Brady away from the Patriots and you put a, a, a average Joe Jameis Winston. <laughs> so last night you put, you put a Jameis Winston yeah. and the New England Patriots. Do they play the same? No, there's no way. Then, Definitely then, not offensively, and the defense probably doesn't have that no, same spark. No, not at all. Right. And look, look, look down the board. Sean Smith, mm -hmm. Brian Edwards, all guys who top receivers SEC. Yeah. Feaster, Rico, Munn. I think this freshman Kevin freshman Harris, I mean, how he looked was crazy. All look like can be top running backs. I, and I'll tell you this, man, the UNC game, because you can speak on this even better, the thing that concerned me was the defense. Like right. giving up 240 yards rushing and right. letting a, fre you know, a true freshman quarterback – you know, I mean, great. I'll tell you this: tip of the cap, because the dude at UNC, that quarterback is good. That Ball. Sam Howell kid's a, like he's Ball. like a Linsky, like you said, like yeah. he got his opportunity. He's a baller. Right. Like, he embraced the moment. But I mean, what did you? I'll ask you: what did you see week one that South Carolina didn't do well enough to, you know? Because again, you hold a team to twenty-four points, you should win. Right. I mean, you right. just should. And to right. that, in this day and age of football, like I. I blame the game on the lack of offensive production, but at the same time, like those stats were worrisome to see. Right. If that my, makes sense. My opinion, they 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 took their foot off the gas. Right. And and I feel like that just comes from this team, this the defense, their chemistry. I feel like they're they're still they're still closing the bond on playing together. Right. So once they get to where they're like this. Mm. Do you think that comes from like lack of leadership or maybe just youth or 
Because, like, you know, I know there was questions coming in, like, you know, for example, like the linebackers, because that yeah. was kind of a weakness last year and guys didn't play their best. And, yeah. I mean, the secondary, I said the preseason, like, you have the most talent you've had in the secondary in forever. I mean, they're young, yes. granted, but you think JC and Izzy alone, and then you add in Shiloh, Cam Smith, John Dixon, you know, all RJ. these. Yeah, RJ, and I love RJ Roderick as a player. I mean, eBay, right. you know, Jamel Cook, all right. these other guys. Right. But uh, and then obviously your front seven, right. which is like that was right. expected to be like right. I mean led they, by Kinlaw and Sandage. And, they have more depth than they did when we were there. Oh, way more. Yeah, I mean I, I don't think anybody would argue that. So I mean, do you think it's just is it there isn't like a true leader on that defense, or is it just like you said, it's just a bunch of guys trying to learn to play together? I I, I they have they have a lot of they got a lot of leaders on that defense. They just they just got to learn how to put it all together. Right. It's like you have all the right pieces. You're just trying to figure out what they go. They got all the right pieces. They got all the right players. Right. I wouldn't – if I was a coach, I wouldn't take nobody off. Right, right. But I feel like once they once they get to where they're playing together, you know, they're, they're going to click. Right. So, I mean, we'll talk this season. I mean, again, whatever happens against Alabama, I would love to see that upset happen. Because I mean, we all would. But what are you looking for from this season? Obviously, again, a lot of your guys, former teammates. But, I mean, South Carolina has a program. You're a Gamecock, a proud alum. I mean, what do you want to see? What type of progression do you want to see? Because, you know, like you said, the people that, you know, when you're on the team, the people in this room are the only ones that matter. And all right. the off-season talk was, right. well, you know, if South Carolina goes 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, you know, it's a great year. And now you don't have Jake Bentley. So, I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know, 6-6 six and six would be a fantastic year. But, like, what do you want to see progress-wise from this team, this program, just kind of all of the above? Like, is there a – like, did, do they need to hit a certain number of wins for you, or is it more about seeing, like, on-field progression and guys kind of – like you're saying, defense, the chemistry coming together, and then Ryan Holinsky kind of even more so certifying he's the dude at quarterback or, like – Yeah. I, what I want to see from this team is I want to see them put, put, the, put the first game behind them. Right. Put the second game behind them. They, 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 they're starting a new foundation, and – I want to see where this team can go as far as moving forward. Mm -hmm. I want to see if, which I, I feel like I feel like they can because I've I've been around I've been around for a day or so and right I I can see the feeling I can I can see the you know the atmosphere I can see how guys are with each other so I feel like I feel I feel like they'll get it done right and you know that's just that's just me personally you know. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. I mean, there's a, and the great thing about this, everybody talked about the toughest schedule in the country and everything, but right. I mean, as a competitor, you love it because I mean, you have as much. Op I mean, South Carolina has three opportunities this season alone right. to knock off a top three team in the country. Right. You have opportunities to beat Florida, Tennessee, right. you know, beat Kentucky, right. beat Missouri. Like, there, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity on the schedule too. Yeah, we have a talented enough team to do it, right? And you know, I feel like, and we we. We got that piece that we needed. And right. I feel like they got it, put the piece in there, press the gas and go. And go. Right. So don't don't worry about what this this person says or this this person say. Hell, don't even worry about what I say. Right. Just go. Yeah. Just go. Move forward, <laughs> you know, do what you gotta do and, and, and just go. What well, was was there kind of switching gears here? Was there ever like a funny must chant moment for you? Because I know like when he first got the job where he said, like, he was a lunatic because all yeah. the gifts and stuff like that. But, like, was there ever a moment specifically for you where he, like, ripped into you pretty good? Or did, did, oh, yeah. you, did you avoid uh, that? No. He, he, <laughs> he, I, get, I think he definitely done, done that to at least everybody. He yeah. 
but I know one of uh, one of the one of the times where he got he got me good was I think we were doing doing inside run and I was playing three tech. Three tech is the B gap. Mm -hmm. And I think I got washed out of the B gap. And then, you know, like people says, you know, that, that face turns red, you see that vein. <laughs> yeah. And it's you know, it's it's over from there. Like you know what you did. <laughs> the only thing I heard was beep, 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 yeah. bleep, 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 B gap. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Whoa. <laughs> Okay, it's coach. funny because they had that that Gamecock football spotlight thing the other night, yeah. and Jake Bentley was talking about that too. Where it's like, yeah. you see that vein start popping out on the side oh, of his yeah, neck man. or whatever. Whenever you see that vein, get you away from it. Get it's over. Get away from it. <laughs> it's over. So, so I want to go back like to you personally. Obviously, you've been bouncing around in the pro ranks from NFL to like, I forgot you're in the Lions too. Which yeah, you know, a lot a lot of former Gamecocks from the Lions. I know right, Dante right. was there with you as well. Yeah. But. Uh, NFL, Lions, um, you've done the arena thing. You're getting ready for the XFL draft, which I think is really cool. Because I, I love the – not to get off on a different tangent. I love, like, the minor league – like, the uh, the Alliance and then XFL, like, giving right. guys – because it, it is definitely giving guys opportunities right, to, like, right, shine right. on the – because, I mean, you look now in the NFL, like, there are dudes that play in the Alliance that balled that are right. – you know, are just, you know, got the chance and are right. signed. So, I mean yeah, – And on the, other, on the other side, there's guys who are in the NFL who don't even need to be there. You're yeah. looking like, why are they here? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's what I wanted to ask you. It's funny. We'll just jump straight to the Alliance. Because I talked to uh, Busta Anderson. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar. He played tight end at Carolina. Yeah, and he, he was talking about kind of like what happened when the league just – the day it shut down. I mean, what, what was what was the experience for you like? Because from the way he described it, it seemed like it was just a nuts situation. It was just, you know. You're just showing it to work one day and yeah, say, hey, we're not like, doing this anymore. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> – we kind of already had it. We kind of already have a, a heads up because you know most of those guys. We all have the ESPN app, Bleacher Report. Oh app. yeah, yeah, so for every, sure. You know, so it's all it's buzzing all morning. Right, right. And then you know we have a one final team meeting. Like, hey, this will be the last time we see you guys. Like, basically, get your stuff and find a way home. Jesus, that's just. I mean, that's brutal. Yeah, because like, he he was telling me too. There were guys like they're cross country. They're like yeah. just. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. You find a way to get home. Good lord. So let me ask you, you're, you're, again, you bounced around the NFL ranks. I mean, what, what was the biggest thing you learned about yourself as a player? I mean, you already talked about, I mean, college is a business. Obviously, right. NFL, that's exactly what it is, a business. Right. But what's the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself as a player that you're working on right now for kind of that next step, that next jump, whichever, whatever route it may be for uh, professional football? Um, well, I can start by saying that me going to these teams, I – I definitely proved that I can play. I definitely mm. proved that I can be with the top dogs. What I would, you know, you know, anybody can work on their game mm. all day and every day. But what I had to work on was was having faith in it, right. trusting the process, not not being down, not not questioning myself, just you know, working hard and and, and keep it going. So, was what was better for me? What I'm doing for myself is I changed my mentality. I changed my mentality from from wondering like, okay, why they cut me? Am I not good enough? Am I no, they cut me. Okay, let's get back to it. Let's right. figure out get back to the board. Let's let's go. Who's the best offensive lineman you went against? Was there one guy that like you just had battles with that gave you trouble or mm, 
No. No, I, nobody. I, no. How about at Carolina? Because I, I like I, I know you guys do the cock drill, and I yeah, like the video that was always great was uh when Bailey and Kinlaw would get at. Because I mean those are two massive dudes. Yeah. Who, who was the guy you always like? That's who I went with. I Bailey. Went with Bailey. But yeah. Thing thing about me was is you know I was I was one of those guys. Is, hey, I, I'll start it off. Let's do it. <laughs> Win, lose, or draw. I'll start it. Right. I used to go with Zach, Big Donnell, <laughs> Big DJ Park. Yeah. I would go with all those guys. And, and all Donnell's those. crushing, right? He, he's Donnell's a damn good player. Yes. I, I'm glad. I mean, yes. you know, it's I, I wanted Manos to work at center, but it's a perfect fit with Donnell yeah. there. He's just yeah. the captain of the offense. Yeah. Like, he's he, a – Yeah, he's that general. He, yeah. He knows everything beside him. And what helps him is he's played guard. Yeah. So he knows, oh, yeah, yeah, for he sure. He knows this and he knows what's outside of him. Yeah. And I, I, I like the setup South Carolina's got on their offensive line with right. Hutcherson and – Dylan, it's crazy how good. Let me ask you about a specific guy. Because I already asked about Ken Law, but DJ Wanham. He was obviously – I think his injury last year just changed the entire outlook of the season defensively. Yeah. And, you know, getting – I mean, it's because as soon as he came back, that, again, Tennessee game had a huge impact in that one. Right. But, like, what type of player – I mean, do you think he's a next level, like a big-time impact next level guy? Definitely. Yeah. Because I feel like he was really slept on this – and I know, again, he's coming off injury, but he's healthy. I, I just – I didn't understand the the disrespect he was getting in the preseason. Most definitely. He's definitely an NFL caliber guy. Yeah. And anybody anybody on that team or anybody who's played with him or anybody who's around him knows he right. is. He's a humble, respectful. He knows he knows the game. He knows what he knows his assignment. Yeah. Him and his brother both seem like just awesome kid. You know, awesome kids. They like, are. obviously good football players, but they just got a good head on their shoulders for sure. They are. So I want to. I'm gonna get you out of here, obviously. But last question, you know, going into going into a game like Alabama, where again, you, you, what's in the room, nothing else outside matters. But you know, you know who you're playing. You know what they're ranked. You know how big of an underdog you are. Right. What What do you say in the locker room to your teammates? Maybe even what our coach is saying. What's the message leading up to the game, and then on game day, what is the message to go out there? Like, what do you? What are the ingredients? Would you say to pull like a big time upset? I mean, what do you? What are the things you're saying? You're preaching. Is it anything special? I mean, are you even? Are players even looking at it that way? We're like, oh, this would be an upset if we win, or is it just let's just go beat the person in front of us? It don't matter who they are. Yeah, that 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 will basically be what it is. Because if if you look at it, Alabama, they're a college football team. Right. They live. They breathe. They you put they the pads breathe. on the same way. The same exact way. Right. So you know, it it would just be line up and beat the man in front of you. Yeah. You, you play together. You got a, you got a new piece of the puzzle. You you got you got your offense clicking. You got your defense clicking. You got everybody figuring each other out. So at this point, it's just kind of you know just just go beat them. Right. I mean, the Patriots they they get beat all the time, yeah. and, and they got arguably the best quarterback that's ever done it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, anybody can take a fall. Yeah, for sure. Unless For you're sure. Hey, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I would love to see you again. You got 48 41 South Carolina, which again, we're going to clip that, make sure that once it happens, oh, yeah. Eric oh, Jones yeah. was the first one to say it. 48 41. Eric, appreciate it, man. Pleasure having you on. Let's do it again sometime. I'm Chris Phillips. He's Eric Jones. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs.
Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.